let's just get one thing right out of the way mm-hmm. that I'm kind of unclear about, even right. after I've watched this movie for a couple of times. Okay. Now. How many times did Loomis shoot Myers? I shot him six times. Six times I shot him. But at the end of part one, whenever Loomis shoots him, how many times did he shoot him? Six times. Who did it? I. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to the third Halloween uh-huh. of Halloween Horror Podcast here at Dead and Lovely with the host with the most. It's me, your best buddy, Uncle Ben. It's me, your worst frenemy, <laughs> Hollywood Steve. <laughs> oh, shit. Hollywood that shirt Steve. looks nice. My little sister has one just like God, it. God, why are you so mean? I don't know. You're so cold. Hey, my parents don't love me. Oh, man. Oh. Steve, how you been this week? I've been busy as fuck. Me too, dude. We've been doing a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, been doing some editing for the for our videos. Yeah, been, for the uh, YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications. Um... Also went to Oktoberfest here in Knoxville. Oh yeah, on on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. some, some beers. football games, but yeah. I had some beers from Pretentious. Yeah, so that was good. Um, they also they had food there, but my wife doesn't eat sausage. Okay, am I right, fellas? Hey, because uh, 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 uh. uh. she, she doesn't eat pork. Oh, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, that was got it. it. Yeah. Um, my wife doesn't eat sausage, so we went to uh, Barley's. Okay. Yeah. Pizza place nearby. Ideal slice. Yeah, it was pretty good. They make up a pretty good slice over they there. They do. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't put it on my top five places in Knoxville. Okay. Yeah. But I would certainly eat there. Absolutely so. Mm-hmm. I heard that, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fucking busy over this way, dude. I have had so many musical odysseys to go on this week. Yeah. We had um, Last Thursday, this is a, a Sunday night as we record this, last Thursday we had our one and only rehearsal for our Andy Wood Live at the Bijou show Yeah, with a mostly entirely new group of musicians that we never played with before. Uh-huh. Pretty high profile gig that's a really beautiful, super nice venue. Yeah. I assume it went well because looking at your legs, they're smashed to pieces. Oh yeah, they're destroyed. You broke the hell out of I them. I broke the fuck out of those legs, yeah. man. It went really good. Yeah, the show is yeah. the next day on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was killer. It's such a pleasure to get to play among so many high-profile, just dick-dragging-the-ground musicians. Oh, man. They were in a world of Was that of part hurt. of the show? Or? It was part of the show. Oh, okay. Uh, but the show went really, really great. It was a lot of fun. And then the very next day was when I played a Jewish wedding Yeah. with the Boogie Nights. Okay. And the Boogie Nights are local, like, kind of funk disco dance band. Uh-huh. I was seven up playing guitar for them. And um, so we got word like a week before the show that we needed to learn Hava Nagila. Oh, okay. And I think we all did the same thing, and we were like, eh, everybody else learned it. I'll just fall into place. So we showed up to the venue. Oh, no. And it was like, so, did you guys get that down? It's like, no. I listened to it on the way. Did you listen to it? No. So we stood out in the parking lot. And in like, practice? Yeah, yeah, with no instruments or anything. Yeah. It was just like, well, you'll play this part, and here's what the chords are, just listening to it and guessing, uh-huh. you know. Actually ended up turning out pretty good. All right. Yeah. Did you throw some funk on it? Uh, we threw a little, I'd say a moderate amount of stank on there. Okay. Just a touch. You don't want to go overboard. It's a wedding. It's classy. Well, that is true. That is true. I yep. will say, though, this was only a Jew 
ish wedding. Oh, it wasn't full on. Was it full on? There right. was ham and shellfish on the buffet. Oh, really? Yeah. So that, not full yeah. blown. And then also, was there like I don't know, like some milk and meat thrown mm-hmm. together? Oh yeah, not just willy nilly, willy nilly. There was a, a cream sauce burger. Yeah. Get it out of here. None of that. None of that. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun though, man. It yeah. was a really, really great time. Had ourselves a good time. The show went really, really well. Uh-huh. But man, alive! It's like now that I'm done prepping for both of those shows, because like prepping yeah. for the Andy Wood show is really tough because I usually play bass in that group. Oh. I was having to learn all these songs on guitar. Okay, so and, you you just switched up instruments. Yeah, exactly. You Bo Jackson did. Yeah, you exactly. Were like, I'm gonna play some baseball. <laughs> maybe a little bit of this. Maybe uh-huh. a little bit of that. And then, you know, prepping for the Boogie Night stuff, it's like three and a half hours worth of music. It's a ton of music. And of course, because it's a wedding gig, you only end up playing like an hour. Yeah. But you still get paid, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then they're like, play the electric slide. <laughs> I wanted to play Stroking. <laughs> I'll be Stroking. Yeah. Always want to play that, never get to. Never. Uh, I don't know why that doesn't get requested at more weddings. Yeah, I'm unsure because it seems like it's always a good time to be Stroking. <laughs> You know, but yeah, it's been so busy lately. Uh, and now that these projects are done, I'm like, well, my God, do I have free time again? I don't know. Probably not. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, probably not. Whew. I was worried. Close call there for a second, yeah. right? Steve, I want to crack open a burr. Okay. And I want to hear about what you've been watching this week. So let's have this Highland Brewing from Over the Hills in Asheville, North Carolina. It's their seasonal claw hammer Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. Martzen Lager. It's a five percenter. Now, this whole month of October, we've been trying to enjoy ourselves a seasonal brew on mm-hmm. every episode. I've never had this one. Have you had it? I have not, no. I, I'll be honest, don't normally care for an Oktoberfest anything. I'm not that nuts about them. Yeah. I remember the first couple of years that I got into drinking beer, I, I did like them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, cool, same as Oktoberfest is finally up. Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly just more the novelty of like... It's not always here, and now there's a special yearly thing yeah, that's here. Like that's, the Shamrock Shake or the McRib. Yeah, precisely. Uh-huh. Precisely. Exactly like that. So I think initially it was just the seasonal attraction for me that, yeah. that drew me to the, a lot of the Oktoberfest beers. But I will say, generally speaking, Highlands Highland pretty all right. stuff, man. Yeah. That AVL IPA we've had on the show is so good. Mm-hmm. And the Southern Six. So good. Yep. This looks to be a nice, just kind of dark amber. Yeah, it's got that Oktoberfest character to it it smells like a beer it does i won't say it really smells like anything particularly awesome or interesting how's that treat you it's a marson okay deter it's confirmed yeah you know what it is i don't like about them Mm. there's just nothing hoppy to them i think i'm so at that point where there either has to be a hoppy character to it or a good stout porter character to it right and if it's in between I'm not getting much out of it. It's not bad. Yeah. It tastes like an okay lager, maybe, totally type agreed. of beer. Yeah. But it's fine. It's just not my thing. No. Yeah, I don't think it's any fault of Highland. I think this, these kinds of beers no, just aren't really my thing. I mean, the taste is crisp and good. It's it's, it's certainly, they, they did what they could with it, but it's just that type of beer is not my favorite. I think it seems like a good vehicle for a little bit of bourbon. Uh, it does. That's true. You know? Yeah. There's something on the back end of the flavor that is like kind of a little bourbony. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually adding a touch and upping that octane wouldn't be a bad I idea. I think that might be three weeks in a row we've said, if you added bourbon to this, <laughs> it would be good. Welcome to Dead and Alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this week, I um, 
I watched Big Mouth season two. I have no idea what that is. Big Mouth is great. If you're not watching Big Mouth, watch Big Mouth. It's a animated show on Netflix. Yeah. It has it's it's Nick Kroll, okay, yeah. and uh, his childhood friend created it, and he and John Mulaney voice the two main characters. Mm-hmm. It's kids going through puberty, mm-hmm. and it's the truest thing ever to puberty I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, like give me the, give me an example. Well, of something they, that was like, um, yeah, that's exactly how it was. Okay, well, uh, Andrew, who is played by John Mulaney, masturbates yeah. all the time. Yeah, like you do. Uh huh. Like you did. At one point, he is suspected of being a serial killer because near the scene <laughs> of a of a murder, yeah, they find a huge. Uh, amount of his DNA, which is all over a bunch of socks that he threw away that he had jerked <laughs> off onto. Um, there is a hormone monster. Okay. Uh, voiced, uh, again, by Nick Kroll with a different voice. Um, and the hormone monster is... It, it, like, the things he says to do are exactly the sort of things you thought of as a teenage wow. boy. Yeah, where your hormones yeah. are just Jerk driving now. your every action. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but you also get the female side of it, which is novel for me because I, I, I didn't go through female puberty. Right. So you get to see like the, the tough like uh, dealing with periods, but also like it's funny. Like they do it all funny. Everything okay. is, yeah. is made humorous. So you get to see like the dealing with boys uh, suddenly noticing you have boobs and mm-hmm. all that stuff, but also wanting to have sex, but also not wanting to have sex with these gross ass boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. It's a real funny show, and it's everybody in it is great. Jason Manzukis is in it. Yeah, he's um, awesome. He's always funny. I I love that show. And season two really like it added in a new character, the Shame Wizard, who's voiced <laughs> by Remus Lupin. Oh man! And so like you got the hormone monster who comes in and, and tells you to do you know like, yeah. Uh, rub up against that thing or whatever yeah yeah and then the shame wizard comes in afterwards and he's like oh you're so dirty that's awesome it's exactly like people yeah that is exactly it man Um, that's so funny and then on the opposite spectrum of that i watched bojack horseman season five yeah which is not opposite in the sense that it's it's not great bojack is amazing one of the best shows uh ever everybody tells me man yeah for dealing with the real life like going through your uh, mind having to deal with the things you've done in the past Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not being the greatest person at all times and Mm -hmm. and recognizing that about yourself but not really being able to do anything about it yeah yeah so Bojack season 5 is it's real great real funny but also real really gets deep into depression it's real it's, it's real Huh. But it, it uh, I'd say it's the opposite because what it's dealing with is, is it's the same sort of thing Big Mouth's dealing with, but the adult version. Okay. So wow. you're all dealing right. with all the same like issues and stuff, but now you're an adult. Yeah, yeah. So now the growing pains are still there. They're just yeah, different. Yeah. Now it's not weird that you uh, misinterpreted a signal as a 12 year old. Now it's sexual assault. <laughs> like, right, yeah. There's yeah. a huge difference. Between growing up and being grown and expecting everyone expecting you to know better. Right. Okay, I got it. But you still being pretty much a fuck up. Sounds pretty good, man. I love BoJack Horseman. It's it's seriously... It has my man, Paul F. Tompkins, in it. Yeah. Who plays a, a dog named Mr. Peanut Butter. Okay. Tight. Who's exactly like a dog. Meaning he <laughs> loves everyone and is excited about everything. Perfect. 
It's perfect. Like he at one point he opens his uh, opens his trunk. This was season one, I think. He opened his trunk and it was just filled with tennis balls. Oh, and the shit. tennis ball falls out, and he's just like, "Hey!" Just like, <laughs> like has to follow the tennis ball. Of course, it's a tennis ball. Yeah, yeah. But like it, it, the, the thing about BoJack is that it's like part it's part humans, part animals. So there are human characters. And they're animal characters, but the animal characters are drawn like humans. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are just stupid puns, obviously. Yeah. But, like, um, the way that they integrate those two things into this in ridiculous world of Hollywood, which becomes Hollywoo after the first season when Bojack tries to steal the D to give to Diane <laughs> because he's drunk and... It's ridiculous. That's awesome. But they just changed the name of the city to Hollywood after that. Let's go with it. Yeah, all right. Hollywood, fine. That's it used to be Hollywood Land. Now it's Hollywood. Okay. Steve, I've been meaning to ask you. Do yeah. You, now that you've been back in Tennessee mm-hmm. for several several mananas now. Yeah, I have. Um, do you, do you still miss Hollywood? Do yeah. you miss being in Hollywood? Well, I don't miss the city of Hollywood. I miss Los Angeles. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Hollywood, uh, I mean, if you want if you want to see a bunch of kids trying too hard and smoking uh, right next to a bunch of drug addicts, and then Sick, a dude. bunch of tourists walking around taking pictures of the ground, like, yeah. everybody will want to see this star. Nope. Nobody. Nobody cares. I was in L.A. I took a picture of a star. Yeah. If you're in L.A., listen, don't tourist LA. It's just not a place where you go be a tourist. Right. Go go to Santa Monica or something. That's There's tourist stuff out there. It's fun, etc. If you go to LA, LA is about the experiences, not mm-hmm. about seeing the sights. Mm-hmm. So eat food. Yeah. That's the best part about LA. Sounds LA is good. an amazing food city. Sure it is. Eat food. Go check out maybe, if you want to, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter or something like that. Oh, I but want to go to there. Yeah, that, that stuff, that's touristy fun. But, like, really, it's about the food and about just taking in the, the environment. Like, yeah. L.A. is, it's unique in that, um, yeah, everybody is pretty flaky and whatnot. But, like, I like that. Mm-hmm. The greatest wow. thing in the world. This is John Mulaney's uh, bit, but the greatest thing in the world is someone canceling plans <laughs> because then you don't have to do anything. You know, the older I get, the more yeah. I can relate to that. We talked about yeah. that, like on the Bubba Hotep episode, where like staying home is awesome. It's the best. There's so many times now yeah. where I'm like, plans got canceled. Sick. Yeah, the flakiness really sucks if money's involved, but if it's not, it's like, oh. Good. Dude, there's even there's even I times. forgot that I said we were gonna go hiking Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, even when money's involved, there's still times that I'll have like, you know, some Skype students booked up for the day and yeah. stuff like that. And then I'll be like, Oh, something came up, man. I can't today, I'm sorry. Yeah. And like back in the day I used to be like, God damn, like I scheduled this time, blah blah blah. Nowadays I'm just like, Great, a fucking hour to myself. <laughs> awesome. Maybe I'll play guitar and like play what I want to do. Do whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm learning to uh, to understand that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I do love I love LA though. Like I, uh, it's one of those things where y- you don't know it if you like you haven't lived there or been there a lot. Yeah. But so many commercials and stuff are shot in LA. Yeah. So this happens to me and my wife all the time where we'll be watching TV and a commercial comes on and we'll both just go, "Oh, that's LA." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like immediately miss it. Right on. Yeah, but um. There, you know, there are trade-offs for sure. Yeah, of course. LA's uh, 
I mean, I I like that it's turning fall here. That it was fifty degrees when I left to come here, totally. at like at like five or six. I like that it's getting cold. I do. I did really enjoy the the winter when we first moved back here. I enjoyed having seasons. Having seasons, I do like I, that. I hear that from people in LA a lot that they mm. they miss having seasons. They're like, yeah. oh, it must be so nice to live in the South where like you guys have defined seasons mm-hmm. and stuff and. It's like, yeah, kind of, but then at the same time, like, okay, it's a little bit warmer today than it was yesterday, but like yesterday, it was pretty brisk. Oh, yeah, it the got air cold was quick. pretty dry, and, <laughs> and I think it, by the evening, it was probably about 45, something like that. Yeah. And like after we played this wedding, where, by the way, bartenders made some fabulous old fashions. Oh, okay. I like a nice old fashioned. I do too. Man, alive. When they're done right and not made with like shitty, like, mm hmm sugar-laced maraschino cherries yeah, and stuff like disgusting. that. Yeah, that's disgusting. Get those out of here. This was really good. Mm-hmm. But anyway, after the show, we went over to Central Flats and Taps for, for a drink, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were all sitting out like on the back patio out there, sitting outside. And, you know, I'm usually not at all like a cold-weather guy. I usually love hot weather. But I was sitting out there, and I was like, man, it's so like nice and brisk, and I'm wearing my, my, my denim jacket. It feels like fall. This is so <laughs> neat. And just hanging out with my friends and having a good time. And so then, of course, today I wake up and I, I feel like I'm already like fighting a sinus infection. <laughs> Seriously, it's like first, like really, it feels like fall day. And I'm like, yeah. oh, cool. Now my sinuses, yeah. like you can hear it, are yeah. fucking wrecked. My sinuses have been killing me you know, all I day. Do, I do constantly forget that, that when I first moved back here, my sinuses were terrible. It's coming up on fall. They'll be terrible it's gonna again. It's going to happen. I'll yeah. immediately remember. Fuck. God damn it. I hate this place. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. But you know, it's like it's like you said, having that, that nice kind of little fall snap in the air mm. leaves change and stuff a little bit it is helping me get in that halloween spirit getting it, in that halloween spirit a it bit. really doesn't hurt that knoxville is also a great food city absolutely yeah and since we've left and come back knoxville's become a great beer city so uh-huh. fuck yeah it is uh that doesn't hurt at all and um i mean i don't miss the traffic but no, I didn't deal with it much. I used public transport, but even yeah. then, you're still sitting on the bus in traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You missed the open road and the freedom behind the wheel. <laughs> yeah, actually, I really would if I was riding tra- public transportation all the time. Yeah. I like driving. I don't, man. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it so much. I get so in my head about it. Probably because I'm stoned most of the time when I'm driving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get so in my head about it. I've been driving so much lately due to all these rehearsals and uh, shows and stuff like that. I've been on a big podcast binge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What have you been listening to? I've been listening to a whole lot of last podcast on the left. Oh, okay. Which means I'm doing my usual thing that I do where I get like really into learning about like super dark, fucked up shit. Uh-huh. And I just, I crave it and voraciously like mm-hmm. absorb all of it that I can. And then late at night when I'm awake and then by myself... <laughs> I start getting freaked out at like every, you know, little bump and creak that the house yeah. generates. And uh, yeah, I'm getting at that point now. So I'll probably discontinue listening to that. But I listen to a bunch of stuff, man. I listen to the thing about like, they had a couple part series about John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Oh, man. It's That's pretty some interesting. Gruesome detail. Here's something I didn't know. Something for our listeners to pick up. Mm-hmm. Every time you see an Amber Alert on your phone, you can thank John Wayne Gacy for that. Thanks, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. That was instituted after he, you know, started abducting and killing so many children he ate an entire bucket of fried chicken before he was executed no doubt mm-hmm. that was his last meal you know he managed a string of kfc's in life did he seriously okay He's well that getting, explains why he got a bucket of kfc chicken He's getting high on his own supply you're not supposed to do that maybe that's what happened 
Maybe the, the warning is don't get high on your own supply or you'll start kidnapping and killing boys. Well, the problem is, is what you what you don't know about that last meal is it was actually a gross misunderstanding between the guy taking the order and him. He actually ordered a bucket of Kentucky Fried Children. Oh. Yeah, but the guy heard chickens. And they used to do that at KFC. Yeah, yeah. For a while. If you called ahead. Yeah. And they... If, Strangely enough, 15 herbs and spices on that one. Mm-hmm. But then they got in trouble because they were finding out that the children were not actually from Kentucky. Yeah. They're from all over. Yeah. Nobody wants to see a dead Illinois kid. No. Nah. Illinois fried here. children does not have Ooh, a ring to it yuck. at all. So listen to that. Um, I think I might have mentioned on one of the other episodes, I was, I was listening to this stuff about a bunch of cults, like the Jim Jones thing. Mm-hmm. I listened to the thing about the children of God. Okay. Which is a really fucked up, yeah. like, super sex cult. Yeah. Man alive, that shit got really weird. Every cult turns into a sex cult. I know. Dude. That's how you All can know it's Fuck. a cult. Yeah. It's the serious. moment somebody's like, hey, you're looking pretty good. Fuck it. I'm out of here. Yeah. God told me to fuck you. So <laughs> I think that that's how we'll really know, like, whenever whenever Trump has some kind of speech at a, at a rally... Yeah, and he's like, and it turns into a huge orgy. Well, yeah, or when he starts talking about how he fucked his daughter because God told him to. That's they when we'll won't know. Turn on him though. Fuck no, That'll they be won't. The saddest part. Yeah, it won't They'll even. Like, it's like, well, me too. Man, she's pretty hot. I can't blame him. Yeah, skip it to do. So I'm gonna listen to a bunch of that stuff, and then also listen to them talking about like Om Shinrikyo, which is the oh, okay Japanese death cult yeah. that carried out like the sarin gas. The sarin gas, yeah. Which that like that's one of those things I don't even really remember that happening because it happened the same year as the uh, Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, ninety eight. Yeah, so uh-huh. in the states, that's what we we're hearing about all the time. Yeah, and I didn't even really remember the Om Shinrikyo thing. God, those people are fucked up, man. Yeah, isn't like this. It just keeps happening. Like yeah, people. The moment someone decides that they are hearing God's voice, run, run away, run. Do they're not. not. They no, aren't. they're not. They're not at all. <laughs> and, and to my 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 Mormon friends, if you're listening, Joseph Smith had sex with that 14 year old girl he married. Ugh. I know you try to like rationalize it, like no, they were just spiritually married. No, he had sex with her. He wrote about it in his own journals. She was Jesus 14, Christ. and that was not normal in the 1830s. <laughs> no matter what anybody tells no. you, it wasn't normal. It yeah. was always weird. Jesus, dude. Especially since he was already married to several other women that he also (laughs) had sex with. And no, Jesus didn't tell him to do that. Yeah. Well, in the meantime of all this busyness and hubbub, too, I've also had time to take in a couple of movies. Which ones? You want to hear the bad news or good news first? Good news. Good news. Mm -hmm. Mom and Dad. Okay. It's on Hulu right now. Heard good things. Dude, it's got Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair. Oh, yeah. Selma Blair. Okay. It is fucking At first, awesome. I was like, who is Selma Blair? Yeah. I don't know why that didn't hit. I know exactly who Selma yeah, Blair dude. is. Yeah, dude. And she's great in it. It is Nicolas Cage. Not even turned up to 11. He's turned up to like fucking 48 in this movie. These go to 48. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you'll watch it and you'll be like, this is so weird and also extremely fucked up like mm-hmm. supremely fucked up so the 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 premise is that there's some in- disease or whatever that infects the parents and makes them want to kill their kids right yeah exactly right. it's almost like a zombie virus where it's just like mm-hmm. suddenly all these parents want to murder their kids okay but it's only their kids so it's like you'll have parents running by all these other school children and just ignoring them or talking nice to them or whatever wow but it's only their own kids they want to murder that's interesting. Dude, 
and it's so it's so jacked up too because they yeah. even bring like a pregnant lady into the equation. Oh, yeah. So I think it wasn't like a huge hit because it is legitimately too fucked up. Like I'm watching yeah. this going, man, alive. This is fucked up. So I can only imagine like my friends with kids and stuff watching it and completely not being able to handle it. But dude, it is insane. Some extremely creative cinematography. Okay. Great soundtrack stuff. Fantastic pacing. I'll put it this way, man. Like the last time that I was this, like on the edge of my seat, like I cannot wait to see what happens next and uh-huh. what the fuck is going on, was probably whenever I watched Fury Road. Oh, Seriously. okay. Like it was the end of the well, movie, and Kate and I both realized, like, that's a huge comparison. I'll have to. Yeah. Check and, that out. And if you want the ultimate, like. Uh, you know, average yuppie white person qualifier. Okay. At the end of the movie, Kate and I both realized like our phones had just been sitting on the coffee table the whole time. Wait, what? I know, right? The phones. I don't were even untouched. do that. I don't even do that. Like when we're recording a podcast. Yeah, like, yeah. I, we gotta play Farmville. You gotta. Ch- uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> or Angry Birds. Is the, yeah. Are these hitting Those with the hit. kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flappy Bird. No, this is what hits with the kids. I'll tell you what. SonicDies.exe. You were telling me about this earlier, and this is a a meme phenom that I'm completely. Well, I heard about it from of. a five year old boy yesterday. And How do five year olds know about memes? Um, what do you think they do all day? <laughs> God damn, I guess so. <laughs> they used to go outside. They didn't. The, people say that. Kids didn't go outside. People have been saying since the the invention of television, kids used to go outside. When? When was they? It's like when they used to work in the fields? Yeah. Yeah. That's when kids went outside. Anyway. Um, yeah. No, this, I, I, I was hanging out with my wife and, and a friend and her kids. Yeah. And uh, he had a Sonic doll. And I immediately started talking to him about Sonic because... Yeah. I remember the Sonic games. I remember the Sonic cartoon. Absolutely so, yeah. Uh, and I was, and he was like, "Oh, have you seen Sonic Dice.exe?" And I was like, "No." And I should mention that the Sonic doll he had, he had drawn uh, in red all over it. And I was like, "I don't know what that is. It's just a bunch of red splotches and stuff." I guess you know, kids do stuff like that. Yeah. I used to cut up my I wrestling dolls and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, no. And he started explaining to me. And basically, it's just Sonic being killed in horrific, gruesome ways. Why? I don't know. I don't know. That's so. the thing. I think that like all the meme stuff is going to do a point where it's just like, if you just can't even explain it or understand it or rationalize it, then it's apparently funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Man. I don't either. I'm fucking old, though. What the fuck do I I'm know? I'm a million years old, so... Yeah. I'm apparently 29 years older than the people that find this funny. So I clearly <laughs> have no stake in the fight of deciding well, th- if this is funny or not. The thing is that his brother is just a couple years older than him. Didn't seem to be, like he knew about it, yeah. but he didn't seem impressed by it. So bizarre. So man. like there's even a, a generation. Because like the thing, the thing about the internet is that it's constantly refreshing. Right. So you get left behind pretty quick. No doubt, man. Yeah. No doubt. All right, I'll give you the bad news now. Let's bad news it. I, while rehearsing the Boogie Nights set, I was just like, man, I just want to have something on that's just images flickering on a screen. So I decided to watch that Cabin Fever remake that came out a few years ago. Okay. It is really bad. I haven't seen it. It's really not. Have you ever seen the original? Yeah, with Ryder Strong, of course. Imagine if it didn't have Ryder Strong. 
<laughs> sounds pretty bad abysmal. already. Yeah. Abysmal. You know what? It's it's one of those movies that is just so completely fucking pointless. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, first off, Cabin Fever didn't come out that long ago. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, how are we already at the point in the cycle where oh, they remake? remake. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is it, it's almost a shot-for-shot shot remake. Like, all the scenes, everything is the fucking same. Did they lose the original? Was I know, it? right? Like, was it destroyed? <laughs> and it's like, oh, we can never air it again. Like, it's even got, like, the, the chick shaving scene and everything. It's like, really? it retreads everything. But the thing about it is, is it reads like there was some like young aspiring director that watched the original Cabin Fever Mm -hmm. and completely missed the point that it was also kind of comedic and humorous. Yeah. And was just like, you know what though? If this is fucking serious, this would be so sick. So let's take all the humor and stuff out of it. Let's cut all the yucky yuck, you know, pancakes kid out of it. Let's cut all that out and let's just make let's it a serious. Get rid of the only thing that made it part. worth watching. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking stupid. Although I will say it has, it has one kill in it that is so depraved and miserable that it was it was pretty fucking impressive. Okay, it was very well done. You remember like, you've seen the original. Mm-hmm. There's the chick that's like out in the shed that's just like festering away. Yeah, and eventually she like, asked the guy to like kill her. Uh huh. Well, in this one, he you know he goes to, like shoot her with a gun, but the gun's out of bullets or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so he grabs a shovel. Oh no! And she's just laying there, and she's all like already you know bleeding from every you know orifice and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, he takes the shovel and kind of like stabs her in the face, uh-huh. but it's kind of like right around the mouth. Oh no! So it it cuts her entire like jaw open, uh-huh. almost like um uh what. Like the Joker, you know yeah. what I mean? Just splits her mouth from side to side. Mm-hmm. And then they, they did it, I, I assume, with like a really well-done puppet. They didn't like CGI it, where it was like a, a sculpt of her face, only the, the mouth is like split wide open. And it's like, you know, do it again or stuff like yeah. this, where it's like it didn't kill me. Yeah. It's fucking brutal. Wow. Yeah, so that I will give it props sound, for that. That doesn't sound terrible, but yeah. the rest of the movie around it, probably not great. I was going to say, the problem is you have to watch the rest of the movie. It was You probably don't. Horrible. You could just watch that part. You probably could do that. Out of context, it would still mean the same thing. Well, you've seen the original, so... Yeah. Really pointless. I hate these really stupid, pointless remakes where it's just like yeah. a complete retread of the original that adds nothing to it. Well, Ben, this actually... This Ties comes in. to a point... Uh-huh that we're going to be talking about with this episode here is I've learned from this movie we're covering today and Mm -hmm. other people's reactions to it that I think that we watch horror movies for a different reason than most other people watch horror movies. I'm kind of wondering about that because today we're talking about Halloween 2 from 1981, Mm -hmm. not the Rob Zombie one, the original one. Original. And I put up... Actually, I think we both put up things on on Instagram asking people what they thought yeah, what about, Halloween about Halloween too. And the reaction I will say was about ninety percent positive that people really like this even movie. Ninety five. Yeah. I didn't. I actually don't remember seeing anyone say they didn't like the movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I hate to let y'all know. I don't like this movie. I don't like this movie either. When we'll we'll talk about it for our reasons and stuff. Yeah. But. You know, I'm excited to talk about it because we've got the the brand new Halloween coming out later this yeah. week. And this is kind of like part of the, the holy trifecta 
of Dead and Lovely Halloweendom that's coming out this yeah. week. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, we will have on the YouTube channel put out a video describing the five reasons the original Halloween is so fucking great. Yeah. Then today you're getting this episode, and then uh, late tomorrow or into Friday, yeah. you guys will be getting a mini episode uh, that is going to be a review of the new Halloween as well as just basically kind of a live stream of that on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of falling right in line in celebration of the new Halloween movie, which disregards Halloween 2 and all of the other ones, which I find to be a great idea. It is a direct yeah. sequel to part one, and I know a lot of people have had problems with this. They have problems with the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. because this movie isn't good, so it's disregarding good. it is is fine in my opinion. Yeah. The movie, this movie, the existence of this movie undercuts everything scary about the first movie. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is, is like this series, I was thinking about this earlier, where I was thinking about, you know, the big horror franchises. Mm-hmm. Elm Street, Friday, Friday 13th. 13th, Hellraiser, mm-hmm. this, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. I think that this one, and honestly, it, it's really kind of like a, a pretty fair fight with Hellraiser. Yeah, Hellraiser's. This, this series might squander its main character the hardest of any series. It does. I mean, Hellraiser, it squandered just a, an ancillary character and turned him into the main character for some reason, which was stupid and bad. Yeah. Uh, this movie, it takes all the menace out immediately with the second movie. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's just this mishmash of them trying to recapture Definitely. the first movie. Yeah. And not being able to, obviously. You can't right. recapture that magic because you've you've already ruined it with the second movie. So every subsequent film just has to continue to roll with that idea that this is Laurie Strode's brother. Yeah. And that that matters for some reason. Yeah, because that somehow, yeah, makes a difference. We'll talk about that as we get into the review and stuff too, but it really doesn't fucking matter. And then they no. start bringing in the whole like, oh, it's the curse of Thorn. He's cursed by the satanic cult. <laughs> and it's like, God, what? <laughs> really? How does that connect with a little boy in a clown costume and his like upper middle class white family yeah like how do you get from there to there it and there are so no many halloween movies yeah that is there's like no excuse for them no like people not. were done with michael myers after two mm-hmm. but then they, they made they fucking bitch about three yeah three's cool complain about three for whatever reason three is interesting and different and, yeah. and brought in some i mean it's not it's not a great horror movie no. but it's fine yeah it's cool um but then they they because that failed they brought him back for four even though there's no way he's alive they oh, bring absolutely him not. back no. for four and bring loomis back for four even though there's no way he would be alive and you know again it kind of it kind of blows my mind where people want to bitch about the continuity of oh they're they're just going straight from part one to this new one and it's like okay at the end of two loomis got blown up yeah myers got blinded and uh, no way he would survive that fire. Zero way. But you're okay with him coming back for four and five and six and blah, blah, blah. Like, and just continuing to come back. It makes no sense, man. And, like, how could you continue? Like, okay, let's say they went, went with one and two. They would ha- You would have to retcon it so that that ending didn't happen. Yeah, because they, they both died. Yeah. If, if, you're, if your complaint is that they should have just made another movie in the series as it already is 
I don't think you understand no. how stories work. No. <laughs> like, because the timeline of this is some of the most jumbled of, yeah. of any of them, really. Yeah. So, I'm I'm really glad that they're making that the thing that's coming out this week, Halloween. I wish they'd given it a little bit different title. Yeah, I know, because there are now three movies called Halloween. Called Halloween, all about Michael Myers. Yeah. But the Halloween that's coming out this week, I have high hopes for it. The The previews look great. I'm and I board, normally man. hate previews. Right. It, I am drawn in by each one I've seen. Yeah. They all seem to, to have a good, consistent, and, and similar tone to the original. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. And, you know, it's apparently got John Carpenter himself stamp of approval, and I'm mm-hmm. so giddy that he's doing the soundtrack for it as well. Yeah. I think that really shows that he has a lot of faith in, in what they're doing. And John Carpenter, in the pantheon of great horror directors, is definitely one of my favorites. Perhaps oh, yeah. my favorite period, honestly. He may be my overall favorite as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had some stinkers. He's he has Ghost of Mars and stuff like uh-huh. that. Vampires wasn't great. No, no, we did that one last year for No Vampire. Uh-huh. By the way, go vote movie. for that. Yeah, the polls are still going. Polls y'all. are still going. Check Smoking it out. Smoking polls. <laughs> Smoking polls. So today, before we get into the review portion of our show, as we step into the prestigious preview palace, welcome to the preview palace. <laughs> We'd like to give you guys a rundown of our top six, three chosen each here. Uh huh. Top six John Carpenter movies are just our personal favorites, and of course, there's going to be some that have to get left off of this list here. Yeah, and uh, it, it was a tough choice because honestly, it, it could have been a top ten. Just his horror movies, sure. I, I think, maybe could have filled out a top ten. Definitely. But uh, yeah, we we decided to narrow it down here and i'm gonna start out ben with one that i loved growing up and still do love big trouble in little china big trouble in little china tell me about why you like that so much it's mystical it's silly it's over the top and it's got kurt russell you had me at kurt russell kurt russell is all you need for greatness but like the the thing about it is the the mystical elements, these these warring Chinese factions, uh-huh. and the, this truck driver just in between all of it, it like it, it almost it almost has a feel of Clerks in some ways, okay. where it's yeah. like, how would I get in the middle of this? Like yeah, I'm not yeah. even supposed to be here. Right, right, right. Yeah, but it, also there's some weird mystical <laughs> Chinese. Um, ancient secrets involved and warring factions and crazy insane kills and stuff and it's also pretty much a comedy Mm -hmm. it's kind of the perfect like Saturday afternoon movie yeah it's yeah that's I do remember seeing it so many times like when it would be the weekend and I I would be staying with my grandparents and they had HBO yeah and it would just come on in the afternoon it's like like there's so many parts that as an adult now i I see it and I'm like, oh, this is just a really good, cool action movie. Yeah. But as a kid, it was always just like, it's so funny. Look at him. Like, no doubt. That's yeah. a great one, man. That's a ton mm-hmm. of fun. You know one that I think is a ton of fun? Which one? I think anytime you can get old Rowdy Roddy Piper hey. mixed up in an action-filled I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe it. It's not really a horror movie. It is, though. It's a dystopian movie. Yeah, kind of. Like a dystopian 
horror-ish. It's not horror. Yeah. More, more sci-fi, maybe, okay. with horror yeah. elements. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I love They Live. Oh, it's so good. So much. It's so fucking great. And there's a lot to that movie. I mean, it's definitely dealing with a lot of, a lot of social commentary. Yeah, stuff that is still relevant today. Oh, God, yeah. Actually, perhaps more relevant than it was then. Yeah, and John Carpenter even thinks that there's kind of a, a bit of a conspiracy at foot that got it pulled out of theaters only like two weeks or so after it was aired. Yeah. Well, it's got a strong anti-consumer... Anti-Reagan Anti-Reagan. Very much. Anti-capitalist, like, strong message during yeah. a time where people were still in that Cold War mindset. America's yeah. the best. We couldn't possibly do any wrong. Yeah, keep your head down and work and be a productive mem- member yep. of society and yep. stuff. It's so sick, and there's so many great visuals from that movie like every time he puts the glasses on and it's black and uh-huh. white and there's the obey and, uh-huh uh while you know ah shit what's it while we sleep they live yeah all that stuff is so rad and then of course it also has the greatest fight scene of all time in like it. five straight minutes of two men uh keith uh keith david keith david and, yeah yeah Keith David, who you'll recognize from everything. Yeah. But yeah, Keith David and, and Rowdy Roddy Piper, t- no stunt doubles. Them doing everything. Just wrestling. Just five minutes of wrestling. Yeah, no soundtrack. It's just like, what is happening? But yeah. you're so stuck, you watch the whole thing, yeah. like, riveted. It's the best. Yeah. I love it. I love that movie. That's the thing I love about John Carpenter is he will make weird choices. Yeah, definitely. He can make a traditional sort of straight movie. Slasher or something. Slasher or whatever, but he loves to go weird with it. I love when he does. Speaking of which, my next one, Uh In the Mouth of Madness. Fuck yes. I find that to be one of the most underrated Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not even just going to say horror flicks. Just most underrated movies yeah, ever of all time. Yeah, and it, uh, we were talking about it a little bit before why it is people don't like yeah. the movie. I think it really is one of those things where it was just ahead of its time. It was too Absolutely. far ahead. Too meta, man. Too meta. Yeah. Like, people just weren't ready for it. It was four years before Scream, and Scream Scream just mentions that horror movies exist. Right, yeah, In yeah. the Mouth of Madness is about a movie of a book of a movie yeah and being trapped and all and also religion gets involved in there too yeah there's religion and then there there are uh, ancient elder gods yeah. coming up Lovecraftian from another d- dimension yeah. and like we did that one on the show long ago it's been yeah. a while since we did that one but that's one of my favorite episodes because I think we really dug deep into that one. Oh yeah we really that that one because I've loved that movie since I first saw it when it came oh, yeah. out like well the, the element that I like about it so much too though is that you know, you can watch it and in a way be like, wow, if you figured out that you were a character in a book and you're like, are my thoughts my own or am I just, you know, playing out as I was written? Mm-hmm. And then when you factor in the whole religious aspect of the movie, too, when you right. factor in like if free will. Yeah. It's like if God has already decided everything I'm going to do my mm-hmm. whole life, am I even living my life? Are like, my thoughts my own? Like, there's the even goes the, really deep, man. He even goes through the thing where it's like he recognizes that him thinking about the fact that he's a character in a book isn't even his own thought. Yeah, like it's th- that he's awesome. being written to think that. Like, and it's Sam Neill. 
And he's like so good at yeah. playing crazy. Yeah, he does a yeah. really good job in it. I think a lot of people just don't get that movie because they go in expecting something more shallow. It has so many elements to it too that are Lovecraftian yeah. and also Stephen King. Stephen King is definitely the oh, inspiration yeah. for Sutter, Sutter Kane, Kane, the writer in <laughs> in the movie. It has so much going on that yeah. I, I think, yeah, it gets diluted maybe in people's heads where they're like, well, what happened to those weird creatures or. Like right. what's going yeah, on yeah. with this now? Like, yeah, I think they're tuning in for the monsters or whatever. Yeah, right? or they're the not sweet catching quasi inner Sandman soundtrack. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not catching the part where it's not about any of that at no. all. That's just uh-huh. a side element yeah. to what's actually happening. The horror is figuring out that you're you're powerless, mm-hmm. and every one of your actions is already written and prescripted. Yep, it's not about yeah monsters from another dimension or anything like that. It's fucking awesome. And so there's so many great visuals, like the old man on the bike. Yeah, God. though he's a young kid at first, and yeah. then each time they pass him. It's very David Lynch, man. Real it's weird. Very David uh-huh. Lynch like. I also love, love the the old lady uh oh, who's yeah. chopping up her husband in the basement with her weird tentacles. Yeah, and she's like a puppet or something. Yeah. Holy shit. Damn, that makes me like want to watch that movie again. It's so good. It's so good and so creepy. That's a great choice, man. Mm-hmm. I love them. Of course, I cannot be talking about John Carpenter's best stuff and not talk about The Thing. Yeah. The Thing is absolutely fucking colossal. It's, it's maybe... Maybe the best remake of all time. Maybe the best remake of all time. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, it's yeah, so completely I, eclipsed the original. Most people don't even know there is an original. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of a, another remake that even... Because like, he took The Thing from Outer Space... He took the concept of it and he just amped it up and got like the it's Rick Baker is he do, did the special I effects I think Rick Baker did the special yeah. effects pretty sure yeah The special effects are phenomenal so amazing unreal probably the best practical effects I think I've ever seen And those those concepts those designs um the isolation a, man Yeah the isolation and Kurt Russell Fuck yeah, Kurt and Russell. And Keith David. Yeah, and Keith David. Yeah. Damn, yeah. And Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley's in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's in the fucking yeah. movie. It's so good. And it, it actually ties in unofficially to In the Mouth of Madness. They live, yeah. Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness are called the Apocalypse Trilogy. Sure. Uh, because they all three deal with... Uh, extra dimensional creatures invading our world yeah and things that happen that their consequences would result in the apocalypse yeah it'd be the end of all of civilization i love the thing so much and it's cool too because you could also look at it as like a very mccarthy communist witch hunt uh-huh. yeah who's the, who's the communist yeah exactly uh-huh. you never know it's like there's one among you at all times and yeah shit. and you look exactly like yeah. But you're actually some warped version of humanity. Exactly. And two, knowing John Carpenter and his, his love of social commentary uh-huh. uh, and just given his age group and stuff too. I think that's definitely something he was playing too. Oh yeah. I mean movie. it's it's set in a completely cold, isolated environment. Like yeah. the Cold War, the isolation. Oh man. I love it that. so much, dude. I love it so much. And it's one of those that it's it's unbelievable to think about that it was like pretty well universally hated whenever it came out. What yeah. in the fuck? How well, did people thought it was like too revolting and disgusting and stuff like this? John Carpenter's Nuts. always been too far ahead, I think. Right, I, I, yeah. which is why I get him like recently being asked if he would come back to directing and saying, "Oh, I'd love to direct something, but also the basketball season's about to start, and I really yeah. like video <laughs> games." 
I but, can't blame him at all. That yeah. sounds great. Why could yeah. Do the things you like. He's got money. He's tour he's been touring with What's you know his fucking band, dude. Yeah, he's been touring doing his music for, for years now. Like, I would love to see that shit. I wish yeah. it was coming around here. Nah, that would be nice. But Fuck, again, because yeah. he's seventy three and he's like, I'm I'm not traveling to Tennessee. Yeah, I want to. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll go to the I'll go to the Hollywood Bowl and then go back to my house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I love the thing. I've seen it a million times. I've seen it. A million more. Maybe we end up reviewing that. Yeah, maybe, maybe soon or something maybe. like that. People have been asking us to do that. Definitely, one it's, it's going to be January. All right, what do you got yeah. next on your hit list? Um, listen, okay, so we know what's going to be number one. You can probably already. Everybody out there knows, but I wanted to go with something that maybe you haven't seen by John Carpenter that I think everybody should see, mm-hmm. and that's Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I have not seen Assault on Precinct not, Thirteen. Not the remake that came out recently, the nineteen seventies Assault on Precinct Thirteen. One of his first movies, right? Yeah, one of his first after Dark Star. Dark Star's. Uh, uh, like a space comedy sort of thing that's okay. weird too. It's, yeah. it's worth a, a watch if you got time. But Assault on Precinct 13 is basically set in a slightly dystopian future, and it's uh, some cops are basically in a, a standoff trying to keep these punks from getting into their building. Okay. Precinct 13. All right. And, and they're assaulting it. They're assaulting it. It's got great action. It'll, you know. It'll remind you of a lot of action movies you've seen afterwards, but just remember this came way before. But it also reminds me a lot of Night of the Living Dead okay. in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, you know how Night of the Living Dead, the the zombies, they don't have much of a way of getting into the house. They just sort of push at the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're dealing with people who know how to get in, and they got guns. <laughs> So you're saying it's kind of like the the relentless onslaught yeah. is kind of like zombies, but they're just people. But they're actually people with guns, which is scarier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they can figure out how to get in. Yeah. And they do, and it's it's like just frightening. Like It's not even a horror movie. It's a, more of an action movie, but the, the concept of it, of being these cops trying to hold off all these criminals uh, and, and just not having the the resources and the people to effectively do it yeah it's cool man i love right it on man i gotta check that one out give it a shot and of course everybody knows what the uh the number one on here is gonna be of course it's motherfucking halloween halloween motherfucking halloween which is easily one of the greatest horror flicks of all time one of my favorite yeah. movies period by anybody it's it's a 10 yeah i, just, I love the original so 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 much i just rewatched it today because we did a video on it and you know i, I did I, I wanted to have something to compare halloween to to because yeah. i felt like maybe i was being too hard on it i wasn't halloween the original yeah. is so good yeah it's pretty much flawless man yeah i have no complaints about that movie you know it's like the the, the setting, the soundtrack, the characters, the casting, the kills, the pacing. All of it, man. It's all so good and iconic and memorable. And I don't know if I'm wrong on this. Maybe I am, but I I think the way the physicality of Michael Myers yeah. in the first Halloween, it's not always Nick Castle, but it's right. Nick Castle pretty regularly. Sure. He was the most consistent. Uh, that physicality is intimidating 
and scary. Yeah. Because it's slow at times and plotting, but methodical. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah, and, and just cold and soulless. Yeah. And, but later later versions seem robotic to me. This is not robotic. Yeah. It's, and, and uh, the correct word here is I'm not diagnosing him, but the correct word is autistic. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he comes off autistic. Is He doesn't understand humans. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. alien in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's just, he's not moved by anything. Yeah. But he's also not, that's the thing that, that making Laurie Strode his sister ruins yeah, I think so too. Because he's just killing these girls because they are nearby. Yeah. They were accessible. Like he's interested in killing, obviously. Yeah, he he yeah. likes it or at least like it's something that takes up the time. Yeah. But he he's interested in in murder. Yeah. <laughs> he's interested in killing and he's he like there's that scene where he kills the one boyfriend and he's like stabbed into the cabinet and yeah. he does that head that tilt head tilt and stuff it's like but, oh isn't that curious yeah it's just like up. huh yeah. I wonder what that's like but then when you, you see it in the second movie it seems robotic it doesn't it seems like a re- it's a repeat of something he did genuinely yeah before totally I completely agree with that man and I think that a lot of the problems that I have with Halloween 2 um, that we'll get into here is that it, it does as you said seem to just cheapen a lot of the things about part one that are so cool Lori's character in part one is so believable and mm-hmm. relatable and just seems like an average an average person but you know also believe it or not your average person would fight for their life and use anything within arm's length as a weapon to defend and themselves she does that and comes yeah. off like a strong like badass person yeah so, and of then, course, when we get to the second one, she should be in, like, a drugged out coma for most of the whole movie. Yeah, catatonic for some reason. What the fuck? Yeah. But, hey, let's quit talking about The Last Jedi and talk about Halloween 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use any opportunity to get the shit yeah. on that movie. <laughs> so, was this... A, this uh, this is definitely not the first time you watched this, obviously. Uh, no. No, yeah. but uh, I was surprised while watching it to realize that I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I had... I, uh, been I, I had a remembrance in my head of it being good yeah and so like i i know i've probably said in the past on the podcast like oh halloween 2 is good yeah you but just kind of remember wrong. it as like okay yeah it's got mike myers it's got the original character it picks right yeah. up where the original left off well and i was a kid and i didn't understand how movies work how movies work yeah, yeah it was just like oh okay like they're running and he's killing and ah oh, yay it's good. What was that that big old pop top sound we just heard right there? Was well, that's that a, a pretentious that's brew? That's a big old can of a pretentious beer. We got ourselves a a contradiction. Contradiction. Now pretentious is a a local Knoxville beer company that offers their beers to go in a big old crowler can here. And I went in the other night on the way home from rehearsal, and uh, I saw this on the board and I was like, well, this I have never had. This is crazy because Ben and I, uh, we do think alike apparently because I, at Oktoberfest yesterday, I just decided I'm going to just drop by Pretentious because it's just a block away. Yeah. See what they got. First thing I saw was that contradiction. I was like, wow, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. So I had one. I know this beer to be delicious. I just had a sample and I remember really liking it. So I'm super excited to 
to tuck into this oh, thing. I can smell it from here. Dude, I'll tell you what, though. Before I went over here and picked this up, mm-hmm. um, give us some more you know, Knoxville plugs here. Uh, we went over to Postmodern. What is this? So you know where you know where Poor is? No. It's like the place that gives you like beer by the ounce and stuff. No. Okay. What? It's pretty much right I don't down. know much about Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much right down, down there by like uh, the Old City Wine Bar and stuff. Oh, okay. So there's this place called Postmodern that is their own distillery that makes all their own spirits and stuff in house. Okay. And it's these like badass chicks that like run the place and uh-huh. make everything themselves. Okay. And I'm interested. And dude, they make like high end cocktails, which usually piss me off. Okay. Usually, whenever you go into a place and there's like cocktails with like six ingredients and five of them you don't know what they are. Right. And it's like nine dollars. Usually, I'm like, yeah, I'm checking the fuck out because yeah, nine dollars. I'm yeah, I'm I'm gone. Yeah. But dude, this place makes amazing amazing cocktails okay out of shit that you can only get there like even their like bitters and stuff like that they make in-house like they make wow everything themselves i bet the notorious rdm would like to check oh this dude place yeah out. next time next hey, time he's in town RDM, we'll go down there man head on down we'll check it out absolutely so yeah anyway just a little plug for them how's that beer treating is it good it's so good i i like um i don't uh i don't remember what type of hops it said that, that were in there yeah but I really oh, like. Oh, it smells so good. It does. It's got it's got that fruit punch characteristic with the the nice uh, piney sort of hop. Get a smell of this. Uh huh. It kind of has a little bit of a cantaloupe thing, like uh, like a overly ripe cantaloupe. Yeah. Like one that's been in the fridge or in the garden for a few days too extra. Yeah. And it's like kind of starting to ferment itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of that cantaloupey. That aromatic, musky smell. How do they do it? Pretentious fucking rules, man. Mm-hmm. I really, really love what they do. Yeah, me too. Let me get me, myself a little swig of this thing here. So, you said you hadn't watched this since you were a kid. Yeah, so I hadn't watched this since I was a kid. I um, I remember growing up watching. Oh my god, that beer! All so good. of the Holy Halloween shit. movies as they came out. Like, yeah, uh, I had a bi- I had a big crush on Daniel Harris. Yeah, yeah, of course. Who was in four and five? I, by the way. I, I'm younger than <laughs> we'll her. clarify that. <laughs> I'm younger than her. She's a kid in those movies, but I was also a kid. Yeah. Um, I I remember watching those all and thinking, oh, they're fine. Um, but yeah, I think then, when you're a kid and it's just like, okay, people are getting murdered and I'm seeing a boob every now and then again. It's like, yeah. ah, cool. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that really was a whole Probably bunch it. of it. Yeah. Just, oh, I saw a boob. So good. It was and, good. I was good, I think. Yeah. But yeah, now watching it again, I'm... I'm perplexed by it. And the thing that really didn't help or or did help mm-hmm. was watching the making of documentary about it called uh, The Nightmare Isn't Over. I watched a little bit of it, and then mm-hmm. I think I started falling asleep or something. The, the, the general impression I got is that nobody really cared. It's a brutal documentary is in it? the sense that there's no voiceover. Okay. So all Just of it. interview. All of it is interview, and you walk away feeling like everybody was apathetic about making this movie. Yeah. And some people actively hated it. Damn. Except for the lesser-known actors who all had a good time. I can get that, though, watching it, because whenever you watch it, it is so... uh, I guess the word that comes to mind is just joyless. Yep. 
that's exactly it. It's joyless, visionless, it seems. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, you can't blame the director, uh, Rick Rosenthal. Rick Rosenthal made a movie that we'll never see. It basically got edited to a completely different vision. John Carpenter did some reshoots that were thrown in. Mm -hmm. Most of the real bloody, gory parts were from reshoots. Yeah. And a lot of those just don't make sense. Well, a lot of it just misses the point, too. And yep. the original isn't really that brutal on screen. Yeah. It's just tense, the tension of that movie. The, the oh, my God, he's walking across the street coming right at the house. Yeah. Or, you know, he's carrying that body into that house. Like, the tension is so good in the first one. Well, the thing is, this is John Carpenter's fuck up. He thought yeah. that horror movies had gotten so gory after Halloween yeah. that they couldn't make a movie like that. But it's also that he didn't want to make the movie at all. <laughs> okay, well, that'll do it. Um, what happened was he was going to make The Fog, and producer Erwin Yeblins, who worked on uh, Halloween... Mm -hmm. He came to him and he wanted to do Halloween 2. And John Carpenter said, well, I'm right now developing The Fog. And uh, Erwin Yablin said, okay, I'll produce The Fog for you. Oh, so that was the deal. Uh-huh. Well, and, and well, for those of you guys no. who don't know, too, the original Halloween concept from John Carpenter was that Halloween 1 was a standalone yeah. start-to-end story. So Halloween 2 would have been a completely different story. Yeah. They, no Michael Myers. He wanted every Halloween for there to be a movie that was a different story centered around Halloween with different characters mm -hmm. and so on. Kind of think like American Horror Story or something like that. Yeah. And so... This was never in the cards. It was no. never even thought of like, oh, and then we could bring him back. Like he yeah. survived or whatever. So I don't know what all went on in the story, but basically Erwin Yablins uh, offered to produce The Fog. And then I think Carpenter gathered that if I do The Fog with him, I'm going to have to do Halloween too. So yeah. he shopped it to another producer. Um, Embassy Pictures said, okay, we'll make The Fog for you. Erwin Yablins then sued Embassy Pictures. Oh, shit. And basically what came out, the determination of the suit was that Embassy Pictures could make The Fog as long as Erwin Yablins got production rights to Halloween 2. So now it's in his hands to fuck up. Yes. And John Carpenter would be, he would have a producer credit on it. Uh-huh. And since his career just started, Halloween oh, had yeah. just come out. The Fog was his next movie. Like, he had done Assault on Precinct 13 and, and Black Star or whatever, but those didn't make him big. Yeah, Halloween was his first real big bite at the apple. Yeah. So, because of that, he wanted to be a part of the production mm -hmm. to make sure... Well, don't sully my fucking name. Yeah, don't fuck up my name. I'm just getting started. But he didn't want to direct it. He refused yeah. to direct it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, they, they wanted him to direct it. And he was like, no, I'm not direct. Like, I don't want to make this movie at all. Wow. <laughs> Which is cool because, I mean, that, that shows that he knew that first one uh, was all you needed. Yes. That first story is all you fucking needed. That's exactly what he said. Uh, he was making this movie and... Uh, I'll get I'll get to that quote in a second because it's too perfect for, okay. for this right now. All right, but okay. So he and he and Deborah Hall, who or Deborah Hills, who, who wrote um, the Halloween first movie, one, yeah, they got together to write this movie, and 
Carpenter said that writing the screenplay mainly dealt with a lot of beer, sitting in front of a typewriter saying, what the fuck am I doing? I don't know. <laughs> I heard him say something like uh, a six pack of Budweiser every day was mm. involved in writing this movie. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, so the, the quote I didn't want to say immediately, but okay. So talking about the twist of Lori being Michael's sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> according to Carpenter, that twist was conceived purely as a function of having decided to become involved in the sequel to the movie where I didn't think there was really much of a story left. Wow. So he was just digging for like, what's anything more I could say about these characters? I don't fucking know. Yep. He's also called the plot silly and foolish. Wow. So he knows. He knows this fucking sucks. Deborah Hill also was considered to direct and refused. She didn't want to direct it either. That's the thing, though, is like, can you imagine being the guy that creates this whole Mike Myers that creates Halloween and Laurie Strode Mm -hmm. and Loomis and all these iconic characters and stuff like that and then seeing it start to slip into the hands of somebody else Yep. and then knowing, well, I have to do something with this. But then also, too, knowing that it's going to go down in flames because there was never supposed to be a second one. Yeah. That has to be fucking creative hell. (laughs) Exactly. And it it was torturous to Carpenter and Hill who didn't want to do it, which that means sucks. it also, unfortunately Carpenter did uh, approach uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, his art director from Halloween mm-hmm. to direct and Tom and Tommy Lee Wallace decided he didn't want to do it because he felt the same way about it. He didn't yeah. understand why they would even do it. Um, though he did later go on to direct Halloween three which was their original vision of a yeah, anthology. Story, like, yeah. He didn't want to direct the Halloween two about Michael Myers, but he did want to direct a Halloween about movie with that original vision. Um, and then they, they went to other people, etc. but eventually settled on Rick Rosenthal. What had he done before this? He did, anything? he did bad boys, not the Michael Bay version, okay. but Sean yeah. Penn's original, like his breakout role. Okay. So Rick Rosenthal had just done a pretty big deal movie. He he introduced Sean Penn to everyone, and Bad Boys, the original, is okay. All right. And Rick Rosenthal really had a vision for this movie. Like, mm. he, he saw it as a slow plotting sort of thing where he would basically just try to imitate Carpenter's style to keep that consistency. Yeah. But he also wanted it to be... Miss the point. <laughs> well, no, no, that's the thing is he didn't want it to be gory. He didn't want it to be bloody. That yeah. None of that was his idea. Which is so odd. It's almost like Carpenter kind of self-sabotaged. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean. Maybe he, he had already subconsciously decided, well, this is a fucking failure. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, that, that does feel like it. Or he thought, like, if this succeeds, I'm going to have to do a third one. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So might as well fucking Might as well just it. fucking tra- destroy it. So Rick Rosenthal kind of got screwed in the whole thing. And if you see the interviews with him in the documentary, yeah, uh, like he does, like everybody in it keeps passing the blame. Oh <laughs> no, it's like it that. Just, it's so depressing. Cause like Yikes. you, you keep, you see good documentaries about a horror movie and the, the good part is always like, Oh, we had so much fun on set. Everybody was having a good time. Yeah. Everybody yeah. Was enjoying yeah. Enjoying themselves. 
and the parts of this are just constantly like, well, that wasn't my decision. Yeah, it wasn't me. It was, yeah, yeah this guy over here. Uh, the only people that had fun are the, the people that played the EMTs and the nurses. They yeah, all sure. had a great time. Right. Because Rick Rosenthal, apparently, good director. Everybody enjoyed working with him. Okay. So. Well, that's good at least, man. Yeah. You know, speaking of all the EMT guys and nurses and all that stuff, that's one of the first big problems that I have with this movie is that mm. it's the same reason why I don't like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Okay. You have the magical Harry Potter universe where uh-huh. kids find out they're wizards and they go to wizard school with all these other kids and all this cool growing up coming of age mm-hmm. stuff that everybody can relate to because everybody's been a kid. Well, that's true. Except for Merlin. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, in Fantastic Beasts, there's, like, no kids in it. It's, yeah, it's it like all grown that out. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, it's so much less magical when you're basically dealing with, wow. gr- with grown-ups who are experiencing a day at the office. You know, I didn't realize that that was why Fantastic Beasts fell flat to me. Yeah, because there's not kids. I didn't dislike the movie. Yeah. But I, it just didn't. I never caught with me the yeah. whole time I was just you like, never have that sense of wonder ever yeah the only person who would give you that sense of wonder is the the muggle guy who's yeah he's friends fun with, the yeah ba- he's the baker fun guy. but yeah. like yeah it, it all does seem it seems to leave behind the fun childishness absolutely yeah. and that's the thing with this movie too like in the first Halloween it's all about Laurie Strode who's what 17 or something 17 yeah and her group of friends who are all babysitting and they're babysitting kids the parents are nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, look at it this way. Imagine if fucking Charles Schultz was like, you know what? Peanuts was a lot of fun, but next I'm going to make walnuts, which is just about the fucking parents. <laughs> That'll be good, right? <laughs> Who fucking cares? And when the parents hear the kids talk, they hear, wah, 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 yeah. wah. I think the parents' version would be called Grape Nuts. <laughs> How horrible is that shit? Do you think that like somewhere some like pet food company was like, oh, we made too much. What can we do with this? <laughs> we put some I don't know uh, raisins in it and sell it to people. There's like not even cereal. raisins in it, dude. There's not. No. What the fuck is it called? Grape nuts. I have zero clue. It's just like I've little kernels of like fucking gerbil food. That's what it looks like. It it looks unappetizing. It breaks your teeth and it tastes like shit. You will not masturbate after eating that. Cereal. Absolutely not. No, it's a morally superior cereal. Yeah. Fucking awful. But, you know, it's like taking the kids out of Halloween 2 is part of my biggest problem with it. Because, you know, again, like I said a second ago, everybody can relate to the teenagers in the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they... And they're actual kids, too. That They're babysitting. Yeah. And and they're Halloween trick-or-treaters everywhere. Exactly. Who hasn't been there and done that and been in a suburb and been in a neighborhood and been babysitting or been babysat Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? The kids in the first one are very, like, realistic and endearing. They are, You know? And in this movie, instead, it's like, well, let's focus on EMTs and nurses and Loomis and let's put Laurie Strode in a coma the whole time. And let's also include a... A, a love interest for a woman who's in a coma most of the time and who cares like, who fucking cares why am I why am I invested in this guy liking a You're woman not. who's passed out yeah he's creepy 
Yeah, that'd Stop be creeping. It. That'd be creeping. People have to keep telling you to leave a woman's hospital room. Yep. You're creepy. Yeah, not good, man. Don't talk to that woman while she's on drugs and sedated it in a fucking loopy state. Don't be weird. Oh, Jesus. So you take all the kids away, and I think you take away so much of the heart and relatability of what made the first one so good. And also, too, just all those great settings of the first one of the neighborhood yeah, and the, the different school. houses yeah the different yeah. houses there's like a strong geographic sense of where there is yeah and this movie loses that completely fuck yeah it does and then also too it's like you know again the original as we said uh, on our review whenever we reviewed it before you know it's like it, it all looks so Halloweenish, even though it was definitely filmed in not during Pasadena the fall. in the summer. Yeah, <laughs> but you know there's jack-o'-lanterns there's kids trick-or-treating all this great stuff that just makes you think Halloween and in this one, it's like, how about we put it all in a beige hospital? <laughs> that screams Halloween, doesn't it? How about we get a bunch of 30-somethings to play 20-somethings? It doesn't scream Halloween. No. The holiday well, and whatsoever. It's... I even think that that whole fucking thing in there where they put, like, the damn uh, pirate kid that ate the razor blade uh-huh. apple or whatever. It's just like, that's just to remind you. That kids exist and it's Halloween. Yeah. yeah. I, and that's basically it. What the fuck was up with that whole thing? Mm. Well, I mean, that was a popular myth at the time, the razor blade and the apple. Yeah. It's not true. It's never happened. No. Okay. Here's the thing I think would have fixed this movie. Tell me. Almost, almost instantaneously fixed this movie. All right. You said it a year after. Or two years after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He comes you can back. Ha- you can still have your. You can still have the opening where you show the end of Halloween one and that he disappeared. You can even still have all the scenes where they take her to the hospital and maybe right. even have the the guy like interested in her. Two years later, they're in a relationship. Yeah, absolutely, that would have worked better. And maybe mm-hmm. she's even still like a little shook up, a little traumatized. Yeah. She's. It's only been a year, two years course she's still and it's around the top it's halloween she's always looking over her shoulder yeah. and stuff yeah and and again because like one of the problems yeah. why it doesn't feel like halloween it's because it's not it's definitely past midnight yeah so it's, it's november 1st yeah <laughs> like, exactly it kind of goes into that friday or saturday the 14th yeah syndrome exactly. yeah but no, that's like, exactly right. That, that would have been an easy way to do it, especially considering that it took three years for this movie to come out. Yeah. Just it, make it three years later. Whatever. Fuck it. It's fine. Yeah, you don't need it to happen immediately after because what happens with that, especially because they showed like two minutes of the end of the first movie, yeah. is it takes you from that incredible high of like, What's going to happen? He shot, he him, shot him six, six times. times. And then he got up six times. I shot him. Six times I shot him. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't seen the movie, Halloween 2, Loomis says I shot him six times, like a million times. Yeah, six times probably. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so he shoots him six times. He falls out. You're like, oh, he's dead. And then he looks down. He's not there. What? Immediately after. Now let's calm everything down. Oh man, no. Let's uh, let's do some exposition. Who are these folks at the hospital? What are these people in the, the in the in the ambulance hey, picking them up? Hey, let's hear about did, them, huh? What did Michael Myers do immediately after? Maybe he went to somebody's house, picked up a knife. Who knows? Somebody's making a ham sandwich. Mm-hmm. Which you know what? It's pretty interesting for me to see that and be like, you know what? She didn't buy pre deli cut ham. She was slicing off ham she from was. a big old just big hunks hunk. of ham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was interesting to me. <laughs> That's what caught my eye about That's this movie. That's what caught your eye. People used to cut their own ham. 
back in the day. I know what you mean, though. That's that's. It's really hard to go from that peak of excitement that you felt at the end of the first one and be like, well, let's just pick up right there and yeah. just take it right off of the stove eye and yeah. let that cool down. It yeah. doesn't really work. I I really wonder, because John Carpenter thought that he needed to make this movie more gory and bloody yeah. in response to these other gory, bloody Yeah, he was talking about other horror flicks at the time had become so much more extreme that he felt that they needed to keep up. And it's like, man, you're the fucking originator. Yeah. You do you. They're trying yeah. to keep up to you. Like in in like how many of those movies could have actually affected that? Was it was it like Prowler and Maniac and uh, didn't? That's what I can't figure out. Is like Prowler Prowler definitely has some really intense, awesome kills, kills in and, it. Yeah. Very very graphic kills. Yeah, but like Maniac is uh, that's like a whole different earlier, thing. Yeah. That's almost more like an exploitation. Yeah, kind of movie. God, Maniac's fucked up. I mean, this this movie is often categorized as more of a splatter movie than a slasher. Okay. But it, it, it's... I, I just don't... I don't think you go from basically no gore yeah. in the first one, just some little bit of blood in that first kill, and then a little bit on Annie Brackett's neck when he yeah, cuts her throat. Yeah, the kill. Yeah, there's not much gore, really. How do you go from that to a guy... Literally dying from slipping on a puddle of blood. Yeah, there's so much blood like that it kills blood. someone. And it's like damn, uh, like giallo, like red paint blood too. Yeah, it's like sleepy hollow blood. This movie, okay, this movie has two accidental deaths. <laughs> Let's talk about that. And two deaths that occur completely off screen with no indication they ever happen. Let's talk about those. Okay, so we got the guy that slips on the puddle of blood and I guess gets a concussion. Yeah, and uh, the original ending he was supposed to live, which would have been real campy. Yeah. He Like, in the original ending, he, uh, she's in the back of the ambulance and then you see the sheet raise up like Michael Myers style, and then it falls off his face. No way! And it's that guy. That was seriously in the original. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking bad. Yeah, I'm glad bad. that didn't happen. Nah, me too. Shit. At least somebody had their thinking cap on. Yeah. So, but he dies completely accidentally by What's slipping on blood and getting a concussion. Yeah. Uh, the other accidental death is the kid who's dressed exactly like Michael Myers, who's the red herring. Why in the fuck? Would he be dressed exactly like Mike Myers? I don't know. What is this Halloween costume? Because, like, in the original, of course, we know he... He stole that. Stole the, the mask. Store, yeah. And then he stole the jumpsuit from that tow truck operator yeah. that so he killed along the way. how did this kid know to put together a jumpsuit and a fucking mask? William that, Shatner mask. Like, yeah, uh, painted white. So what the fuck are you? Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thing about that kid that looks like Mike Myers Tell that dies... Me. And this is one of those things I did not catch until I was listening to, I think, somebody else's review on this movie. Uh-huh. That kid, apparently, I didn't catch this while I was watching it, so maybe maybe this person is wrong about it. That is the guy that, you remember in the first one, um, Laurie Strode was talking about how she really wanted to go out with, like, I think his name is Ben Trainer. Oh, shit. That's Bennett ben Trainer. Yeah. Yeah, that's Ben. That, okay, that's what the kids say. I didn't. That didn't connect at all in my head. Yeah. So Laurie Strode's boyfriend, or was, the guy she wanted today. Yeah, yeah, was, was walking around dressed like Mike Myers. Killed. And the thing is that, like, well, like it doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. Like, if if Mike Myers was dressed like Frankenstein, yeah, then yeah, there might be another fucking Frankenstein. Yeah, but he's dressed like around. Mike Myers. He's dressed <laughs> like Mike Myers. That's not a costume. <laughs> or maybe this is like hyper ultra meta. 
oh shit <laughs> like the kid heard about the killings and he was like I could put that costume together in no this time easy I got this wow he was on top of it apparently so I bet that Instagram photo got liked a bunch in the 80s <laughs> but uh, yeah it's kind of it's kind of pointless for that to even exist right no there's no reason for it it's just to keep Loomis from being at the hospital for whatever reason like yeah because they never are like Lori, the guy you really wanted today he just died because he looked just like the guy that tried to kill you and she'd be like that's really logical because he wasn't wearing an actual halloween costume <laughs> also bummer <laughs> also bummer also bummer so the two people that get killed off screen okay. are the doctor who was drunk whenever they first bring in uh, oh yeah he's got like the eyeball fucking and they set up, they like set up how thing. he's going to kill, get killed. Uh, and that is, they show him twice, stick a needle into her, and Ew, guess what? Those needle shots are gross. Yeah, well, I know. Hollywood, seriously, stop. Just stop. It's not impressive. It's it's not interesting. Why? Like, I don't know. I, I Because even... I have a weird vein thing, I yeah, notice yeah, yeah. it, and they do it. In everything, they they show like two shots in a row of yeah. Laurie Strode getting like stuck, and I'm not even like, I'm not even like a needle freak where it's like I can't deal with it and stuff. Mm. But there's just close up graphic, like it's definitely happening. That's not yeah. a trick needle, like that's no, actually somebody yeah, it getting looks stuck. Like they actually stuck her. I don't want to fucking see that. No, and I guess the impression I got is that the doctor was, I guess, drunk. Cause yeah, he's that's the what they said when he, they brought him in. Oh, he's drunk. Ugh. Um, well, anyway, so he gets, he, he is found dead with a needle sticking out of his eye. Yeah. First off, that wouldn't kill you. I Even if it were long. So. No. It's not enough. Just penetrating someone's brain with a needle will not murder them. No. You would have to get all the way down to the spinal cord. And even then you'd have Might to do a, a little wiggling. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, it's it's not as simple as stabbing someone in the eye with a needle or even stabbing them in the temple with a needle, which is what happens immediately afterwards. What the hell? I don't know. It makes no sense. And the other one, it makes even less sense because he apparently started an IV on that other nurse. He had to bleed her out. And bled her out extremely slowly. Yeah. What was, ha- what was she doing that entire time? Yeah, the, that's the, a good point. She's like, oh, God. Oh, my blood. blood is leaving me. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Because she wasn't like, this tied... is going to suck in a day or two. She wasn't tied up or anything. No. Like, he didn't. Be, it's not in an artery. It's just in a vein. Like, <laughs> what the shit? Like, maybe she'd taken like 100 aspirin that day. Or maybe <laughs> so she was. Like dude, no. She was fucking drunk. She was partying oh, with the doctor. Okay. That makes so her sense. blood was like water. <laughs> but it looked more like red paint. So. That okay, that's just terror. Like for a horror movie, it, first off, for a horror movie to have two people die completely by accident, <laughs> unrelated pretty pretty to weak. the central killer, it makes no sense. But the movie does have a couple of kills that are pretty good. Actually, it does. It does. They um, they definitely had some good stuff in here. The the hot tub sauna that was scene. Cool is definitely the the best set of kills in the movie. 
Even the boyfriend getting like strangled. That was my it's tight. It's not my favorite kill in the sense of it was creativity, but the way it was shot mm-hmm. because he is in the background and Under we that, see it all through glass. frosted glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically shadow play. Yeah, and she's just you know not seeing it. And she can't hear it over the bubbles. Yeah, the she can't hear it stuff. over the bubbles of the tub, and that all makes sense. That's not even like like yeah. for me. That's not one of those like oh she would hear because he doesn't make a noise. He immediately is getting strangled, and they do like you know a couple pulls and then one big pull and he's dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's it's the well most well executed of the kills, but. Then like Myers the like hot creep- tub kills great. He like creeps up on her, uh huh, and she's like kissing his fingers and stuff. Well, she thinks it's what's his name, uh, J- Jimmy or Bob or Bill or somebody. Jimmy Bob, Bill. Jimmy Bob, Bill. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's kind of creeping up on her and stuff, and then she realizes it's not him, and that's uh-huh. when he starts like just dousing her in the tub, like dunking her head in the tub. And, and apparently stuff. the tub's temperature gauge, he turned it all the way yeah, up, yeah, yeah, is he, now at, at boiling. <laughs> I don't know why you need that for any medical recovery Yeah, there's never procedure. any reason you would need it to get that high. <laughs> to get to boiling. <laughs> but the effect is really great. It looks great. And it. I think it definitely inspired the sleepaway camp kill. It has to have. And, even no, though that the, the skin is like shredded even off. better. Oh, dude, because it had the, like the the bubbling uh-huh. blisters and shit. Yeah, that was so much better. But I mean, of course, if you do it second, you know how to do it better. Yeah, exactly. Usually, but you know the thing about that is, is like, part of me loves that kill because like as he's dunking her and like bringing her up, and yeah. she's like gasping for air. She's getting more and more like burnt and destroyed yeah. and stuff, and Each it's a time. really effective thing. But at the same time, wouldn't that be scalding the fuck out of his damn hand that's yeah. dunking her under? Because his hand is going under every time with her. Yeah, the, I mean, so. the, the 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 ambiguity of the ending of the first one is yeah. that like, oh, well, maybe Loomis missed him with some of those shots. Or maybe they hit him in places that weren't vital and he was able to crawl well, away. Here's the thing, But though. in this, he just becomes like a, a hate demon or something. Well, here's what doesn't make any sense about that. And that's something that is definitely... A problem with this movie is that it's never explained how he got shot six times. And we know that he definitely got hit because whenever he goes in there to like the ham sandwich lady and steals a knife, mm-hmm. he leaves bleeding. blood behind. Mm-hmm. He's injured. And then suddenly that just stops. Yeah. And they never even remotely explain how he's still alive. I mean, he got stabbed in one of his eyes by a coat hanger in the first one. Oh, that yeah. should have affected his vision. Right? I... Should definitely think so. Yeah, he did get stabbed. Yeah, in the but we eye. find out he's like he's got a healing factor. Like he must have been a part Weapon of X. Weapon X. Yeah, that might be that might be part of it. Right that there. would be interesting, by the way, if Marvel wrote a Weapon X sto- backstory, and we just see Michael Myers in the background. Like, and they like abducted him when he was like five, which yeah. is why he, like murdered his sister later. Uh-huh. Like, the, the programming and stuff. Yeah. Goddamn, trademark Dan Lovely. <laughs> this. This is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it is a cool idea. I don't hate that. No, I don't either. <laughs> but it, it's, I mean, exactly what you're saying, that he can stick his hand into the boiling water and yeah. it, it doesn't affect him. He gets shot several times, et cetera. Tons of things happen to him and they don't affect him, which works when it's Jason Voorhees and he's he's dead. Yeah, he's somebody who has been died. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it doesn't make a ton of sense when it's somebody who should be vulnerable to those things. Absolutely so. But I don't know. There's a couple of other quality kills. Like I like when that security guard gets like hammer time. Yes, 
but that's I hate pretty cool. everything that leads up to that because that oh, is the dude, longest dude, setup for a kill. But there's a cat scare. We love a those. cat scare. A cat jumps out of a dumpster and why? says, Like, why the fuck, dude? And then a bumbling security guard, he opens up a cabinet and stuff falls on him. So lame. But then, yeah, he gets... But that there's something unsatisfying about that. It's got a satisfying sound, thunk. a satisfying thunk, but it cuts away too quick. Yeah. There's no like, we don't see any blood. We don't see, but like it, everything has been bloody other than that. Which That's true. Again, that goes with Rick Rosenthal's original vision of it not being bloody. So like, again, this movie kind of gets ruined, but John Carpenter maybe did kind of fuck this movie up in some ways yeah uh in an attempt to save his ass or, or save his career but he he really didn't have anything to worry about but i bet when you're at that point in your career you feel like you do sure i mean there's no way he would have known okay well the fog's gonna do pretty good but then i'm gonna make the thing and that's gonna vault me into legendary status among mm-hmm. other horror directors now, speaking of all the murders in this, I think you told me earlier that this perhaps inspired some some actual murder. It did. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Richard Delmer Boyer. Hmm. He murdered an elderly couple in 1982, and part of his defense was that he suffered from hallucinations brought on by the movie Halloween 2 which he had seen under the influence of PCP, marijuana, and alcohol. <laughs> I think the PCP might have a little yeah. more to do with it than what was on well, the fucking TV. so did the jury, so don't worry. <laughs> so fuck that guy. But those those murders are uh, referred to as the Halloween 2 murders still, and it, it did spark a debate about whether uh, horror movies should be just outright banned, because this is still wow. at a time where in... Video nasties time. Video nasties yeah. in England. Uh, th- this movie was banned in Iceland and West Germany. Like no shit, really. I mean, we. All, it's not that bad. I know, and we we always forget as a people for some reason that we're so so close, so infinitely close always yeah. to genuine and real censorship. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, the in the nineties, the censorship of uh, gangster rap, like. Right. All that shit has been around for a long time. So we, we always have to be vigilant mm-hmm. that we could fall into that at yeah, any point easy. where one movie does something so heinous that everybody's like, we can't have this anymore. Right. And apparently this was one of them that people were too far, too far. Now, in the first movie, the characters of Laurie Strode and Dr. Loomis. Yeah were the main, you know, movers and shakers throughout the flick. Mm-hmm. What do you think about their roles in this movie? Let's start with Lori. <sighs> okay, well, Lori is either comatose or drugs yeah. uh, the entire time. Or weak and helpless. The, yeah, the Lori we know who will take any opportunity to find any weapon to fight yeah. Michael Myers refuses a gun when offered to her. That's what doesn't make sense. Again, we were saying earlier, like, she will defend herself by any means possible, but then... Is handed a gun and won't. And she's take like, it. No, no, makes no sense. No, she does. She doesn't get into her, uh, you know, anti-gun deal. I assume that's probably what it is. <laughs> I'm with you, Lori, but I, I think in that situation, I would also take the gun. Yeah, I'd pack the heat. Uh-huh. I like though that they do show the 
the after effects of being through such a traumatic yes. incident. Because also, like, one of my favorite things about the original Halloween is that even though she is the the final girl and the scream queen and all this stuff, by the end of the movie, she is just reduced to yeah sitting and crying and asking if and that was the boogeyman. And believing in the boogeyman, yeah. Like, yeah. She like, becomes a small child. Yeah, and that's that's cool because it shows you it's not a hero rides off into the sunset ending. Yeah. So I like that in this movie they do explore what it would be like to be in the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, the uh-huh. the anti-afterglow of an event like that. But I feel like... I but their feel survival instinct, I think, would be at an all-time yeah. peak at that point. Exactly. That's where you would be the most likely to fight back. Exactly. Because you were just... Uh, Constant vigilance. Like, yeah, precisely. Yeah, constantly worried something's gonna happen, and that's how they kind of show her at first. Yeah, but then like it all just turns into mush and shit. And I guess and it's then like she starts you, having weird dreams. Yeah, and you can you can explain all this stuff by being like, well, that drunk doctor stuck her with God knows what. Yeah. But that's just a lame plot point. It's like let's take Laurie yeah. Strode and completely defang her and declaw her. Well, and it's pointless. And, like. Just after he drugs her and before she has the dream, she's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like she's interacting with that EMT and stuff. But then she has a dream in which <clears throat> she sees herself as like an 11 or 12 year old, <laughs> which is like yeah. five or it's six like five years, years earlier. <laughs> and she says, you never tell me things to a woman in a backyard. And she said, I told you, I'm not your mother. <laughs> and then it shows her in a mental hospital seeing Michael Myers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How did she forget any of that? That's what doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's not like it showed her as like a three-year-old where it's no. like, oh, wow, some buried no, repressed memory. No, she's old enough like, to remember. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I have plenty of memories from being like 11 or so. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense, and it's it's as heavy-handed narration as uh, like in in like Black Dynamite, where he has those <laughs> flashbacks, and he's like, "17-year-old mm-hmm. Black Dynamite, I'm your 15-year-old brother." <laughs> like it's really yeah, and it's so fast that yeah, it's like just a little girl and the mom being like, "I'm not your mom," right. And that's, that makes no like there was no all, cleaner way to explain yeah. that. And then I guess we're supposed to be a little confused, I because like we already know Laurie Strode is is his sister, so like we probably don't get that feeling you would have had in the theater at the time. I'm assuming at the time you're like, what is this? What's yeah. going on? And then later when we're the reveal from the nurse from the first one, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the reveal from her that Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister, that yeah. would have been like, wait, what? Uh-huh. But instead, since we already know it, it's just like, okay. this is so dumb. Why are they, why? One thing that I do like about that, though, I remember when we recorded our original Halloween episode last year, I was talking about one of the things I like about the original is that nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. Yeah. It's just any asshole in a Halloween mask on Halloween that just decided yeah. to kill a bunch of people. The only person that knows is Loomis. Yeah. He, the only person he's able he to really talk to. Yeah, he talks to the sheriff yeah. who doesn't really believe him yeah. that it's a problem. And right. so, like, you know, in this ep- in this movie, he's constantly telling people everything about Michael Myers uh, and 
people are like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So like, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's odd. Yeah, I guess. So you're going to leave or like, what are we going to do What's here? What's the deal? Yeah. But I do like that moment, that reveal where the EMT guy like tells Lori, yeah, that's Mike Myers. That was after yeah, he escaped from the mental hospital, and she's like, what the fuck? Why me? Yeah. That's a cool moment, because yeah. it makes you realize, again, that that whole first movie, she was just being fucked with by some anonymous dude. She had no idea who it was. Yes, and that's I how love it should have stayed. Because yeah. then he's scary. Then it's he, scary. Because exactly. you have to worry. Like, if you, as the audience, yeah. feel like, oh, I could be killed by this yeah, guy. Yeah, I could be the victim of a purposeless, uh-huh. sociopathic murder. But if That's you know, so much oh, scarier. no, he's just after his sister. Well, don't hang out with his sister. And even at that, why the fuck would he want to just murder his sister just because? Yeah, like, the explanation is he, want, he murdered his first sister, so now he's back to get the other one. Well, it's because he draws such great illustrative pictures in that schoolhouse. Oh my god! That How about that shit? That schoolhouse scene is the epitome dumb. of dog shit. It's fucking dumb. They go into the schoolhouse. Loomis and where, the cops. Yeah, Loomis and the cops. They heard there was a break in. They go into the schoolhouse. Dude, why would why would Myers break into the fucking schoolhouse? Why? Yeah, like there's no way he did it. Right? We know he didn't do it because we saw everything he did up until the point where he bumped into the kid. With the boombox, who was hearing Laurie Strode is at Haddonfield Emergency Hospital. Okay, yeah, and yeah. And then he goes to the hospital. So he would have had to have gone straight from falling off of the deck of the Myers house mm-hmm. after be- being shot six times. Mm-hmm. I shot him six times. He'd have to be like, man, I got to get to that fucking school. I got to go to that school because I got to leave some weird evidence. And then I'm going to go and steal that ham sandwich lady's knife. Mm-hmm. That would be the order of events. Then I'm going to kill a teenager for no reason. For literally no reason. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and that's another gigantic problem with this that you were talking about earlier, man. It's like, if the whole motivation for his killing is the familial aspect... Mm -hmm. Then all of his other kills are... They make no sense. Yeah, then why? Then why did you kill all those other babysitters? Like, the, the original title of the first movie, it was The Babysitter Murders. Yeah. He was it, just killing babysitters. Yeah, he was just he killing these the first, innocent girls that happened to be babysitting at He night. killed his babysitter, who was his sister, and now he's just killing these babysitters in yeah. his neighborhood because yeah. he wants to kill babysitters. And that shows you that they never intended for this to be the sister murders. Yeah. You know, that was never in the cards at all. But they just had to backpedal and explain why they were making well, another one. As as I read before... <laughs> I didn't think there was really much of a story yeah. left from the man who wrote the yeah. goddamn movie. So in that schoolhouse scene, he goes in there and I guess he draws a shitty picture that maybe a five-year-old might do. Yeah, the, like did he draw that or did he not? Because if he drew that, then he didn't write uh, Sawin or Sam Hain. Sam Hain. Then he didn't write that on the the board because that yeah. was written very well. Legible English. Yeah. And the drawing looked like a five-year-old. Or did he search through children's drawings for one with what could be considered a sister and then put a knife through that? It's extremely stupid either way. Yeah, that's like, either way. That's like in Hot Rod where like Rod has that picture <laughs> and it's circle and it says dad yeah, pointing like, to it. That's my dad right yeah. there. The, see the circle? It is just such heavy-handed exposition mm-hmm. throughout yeah. this. And, and again, there's tons of that. There's tons of that. Through yeah, it's this constant. Clunky. And then, 
Uh, and then, of course, we have to hear Loomis's... I, I, I don't say have to hear, actually. Donald Pleasance's uh, weird monologues about Sawin or he Sam Hain. He only speaks in monologue in this movie, yeah. dude. It's like they, they, they figured out that in the first movie, that whole, the blackest eyes, a doll's eyes, uh-huh. and all that stuff. It's like, wow, that was so iconic. Maybe he should just speak in monologues. Maybe he should. Uh, he and should. so he does. <laughs> And so he just has these like side things about Sawin that I guess are supposed to give some context or whatever to the story. But he why talks- would this matter to young Mike Myers who's like six when he kills his sister? Yeah. Do you think there's a, like a robust library in the mental institution <laughs> he's in where he's reading about the history oh, of Halloween? Sawin. Got it. Yeah. So... But he at one point starts talking about how in Sawin they would do burnt sacrifices, which I guess is supposed to set up the him being burnt to death. Okay, but all the, right, that I guess but it so. doesn't do that at all because they're talking about burning people to appease the the evil spirits right. when he is the evil spirit. Yeah, it doesn't make any That's sense. That's problematic. Mm-mm. I I'm I'm this is a mishmash. Of bullshit that yeah. just makes no sense, and we also have to talk about how the nurse from the first one comes back. I didn't even even register that that was her. Yep, it's it was so her. unimportant. It and, didn't even hit me. And from the day before, a full twenty four hours has passed. Okay, you're talking about the nurse at the front of the first movie uh-huh, that's who's in the car just with Loomis, who's like in the car with Loomis. What are we gonna put him on when he's on the witness stand? Yep. He's like Thorazine. Yep. She's just a nurse. She's in a nurse outfit. She's yeah. a nurse. Part two, a day later, she now works for the governor. What the fuck? And uh, the governor, for some reason, I don't understand what how Illinois works, <laughs> but the governor apparently has authority over everybody. And so he doesn't yeah, the want government. Loomis in Haddonfield and orders him out of Haddonfield. Like, yeah. But does it through the nurse from the movie. Like, what? I would be... Mo- <laughs> When you put it that way, it makes no fucking sense. I would like to see her story. I bet she... I bet that was a lie. I bet she went to the police station and said, yeah, the governor, he sent me to tell Loomis he has to leave. And they were like so frazzled about everything that was going on that the guy was like, okay, let's go. I guess let's go do that. (laughs) Like It's so bad and pointless. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to bring her back unless, of course, you're Rick Rosenthal and you're dating her and you want to marry her. And that's what happened. Maybe that could be part of it. That is exactly what happened. (laughs) But just talk about missing the point completely about looking at the first and being like, wow, what characters should we develop more? Probably that nurse. That nurse that smoked, yeah. What? Yeah. No, nobody cares. <laughs> well, because they killed off the other interesting characters, so. Yeah, but, I mean, you still had, like, Laurie Strode. Let's yeah. keep going with her. Well, nah, you... let's put her in a drug dot com with the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, you still have Sheriff Pointless. Brackett, which I just don't get this. I get that his daughter died. Yeah. But the thing you would expect from any sheriff, the, ma- the main man in the town, is that... I'm going to get the son of a bitch who killed my daughter. That would be great. Instead, yeah. it's my daughter's dead. I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all. Yeah. Here's this Dave Coulier, Bill Pullman looking <laughs> motherfucker to take his place. Remember the first time that guy comes on scene, he's like, Chief, Chief, they brought dead bodies out. One of them was your daughter. Oh. Acting. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Not You're going to be in the rest of this? Yeah. Why? 
What do you think about Loomis in the movie? He's Donald Pleasance. I mean, like he the, He's getting the, like a little more over the top. Not as over yeah. the top as he gets in four and five. He reminds me of Frank Reynolds a lot, because he pulls that gun out any second. Yeah. Just like Frank Reynolds. Yeah, he is apt to just bust that thing out. Remember when he he fires a warning shot through the window? Like, if so, I don't care what is happening. I don't care how many lives we're gonna save. If you fire a gun in a car next to me. I'm going to start hitting you. <laughs> None of us are going to be able to hear well for the rest of our lives. No, Thank you, uh-uh. dickhead. <laughs> oh, let's go save Lori Strode, not my hearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the bright side, though, we do, as you mentioned, have that extremely well-fleshed out sociopathic Dick Warlock playing Mike Myers. <laughs> oh, wait, no, we don't. It's not good. So, you know, this is one of those things that is like a constant debate among horror fans mm-hmm. is whenever you hear people talk about oh man who played jason, jason the, best. the best yeah and most people would say kane hotter I yeah think. yeah sure, yeah and it's like jason and mike myers are so similar in that they are the non-verbal masked mm-hmm. masked you don't see their facial expressions at all yeah so there's no talking there's no facial expressions mm-hmm. and yet people swear up and down one is, is better than the other yeah, I mean, I'll I'll agree that some are in better movies than the other. That's true. But in this case, it's actually one of those few times where I'm like, yeah, that uh, Dick Warlock doesn't really play the character well at all. Yeah, I I th- okay. So uh, if you watch that documentary I mentioned again, um, they interview Dick Warlock a good bit, and what you do find out is that he didn't watch Halloween. No. Uh, yeah. The what? only yeah, the only real scene that he watched was the closet scene. And based- That's all that he watched of the original? Yeah. What the fuck? The guy didn't have damn ninety minutes to research? I guess not. It was also his first real role as a stunt man. He or as a um as uh not a stunt double. He's okay. he was a stunt man, meaning he is the character. He's yeah, yeah. not doubling for somebody. Uh, he was also a stunt coordinator, which he should get high marks for because he, uh, when you hear the people talking about how he would coordinate, like for instance, the, the hot tub death, yeah, like he's real good. He knows what he's doing. He's real good at working with actors, etc. Yeah. But when it comes to like the physicality of Michael Myers, Emoting. he's, he's yeah. too robotic. Yeah. And, and that mask fits real dumb too. It doesn't fit right on him, yeah. but it is the same mask it's from the, the first same movie. Mask. Yeah, they said that Nick Castle kept it in his back pocket uh-huh. in between scenes, which kind of distorted and stretched the mask. But yeah. also Dick Warlock is just kind of shorter and stockier. Yeah, so the, it doesn't fit his face right. He can't really see out of it well, you can yeah. tell, yeah. It's better than in later movies, though. Like Sometime around maybe five or six the mask looks so fucking was probably, stupid it looks it, so stupid I, if dick warlock came back for any of them because he, he took the mask and still has the the original oh, no mask shit. or at least at the time of that documentary so it's probably around the time that he left huh. that they were like fuck we gotta get a new mask yeah yeah the later ones look fucking horrible yeah it doesn't look right i love the way he just uh walks right through that plate glass door <laughs> But that's it, smooth. He's smooth. He doesn't. I like it that it do, it's not like no. He, it's so <laughs> it's jerky, and it looks like he just didn't know it wasn't open. <laughs> 
but then try to play it off. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, 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 I totally meant to do that. Yeah. 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 But again, that's not his fault. What were they thinking with that? What were, like, what, what, at that point, are they just making him a, a, a wrecking ball? Like, right. He even, nobody can walk straight through a plate glass window. No. He casually walks straight through it. Mm -hmm. It would have been one thing if it was locked. And he just fucking punched through it or something. That yeah. could have been cool. But he literally walks straight through it. it Try that sometime. It, it doesn't fucking work. It reminded me of Terminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it didn't look good. No, <laughs> but it didn't look good. Um, it's also weird to me that he he picks up a, a scalpel yeah. that he's going to try to use to uh, kill Lori with. And then that is his weapon for the rest of the movie. That happens at about 40 minutes in. What happened to the damn butcher knife that What he happened stole? to the knife he had? And he just then ditched also, that at some point? He stabs someone in the spine with it and lifts her up three feet off the ground. A scalpel. It would break. It would absolutely break. You or can't just, or lift just a person. shred through the skin. Exactly. Like if that was that big kitchen knife... That could maybe work. Maybe you hold somebody up. Maybe that. you've at least got enough surface area yeah. attaching to meat that and bone that maybe you could hold somebody up from it. Maybe if you were super strong. But that little tiny scalpel, there's like one inch of blade on that. Fucking yeah, it thing. would just break. That's stupid. It was real dumb. Why arm him with a gigantic butcher knife, and then his end game is him holding a tiny scalpel and just yeah. Swinging it wildly after being blinded, dude. That that whole thing at the very end of the movie, where you know Lori and Loomis open up all the oxygen tanks in the ether. Yeah, and she shoots him in the. She shoots him in the eyes. But how do you fucking get shot in the eyes and not fucking die? Your brain is right behind your goddamn eyes. (laughs) That's a great question. That's stupid. Uh-huh. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. You do not get shot in the eyes and be blinded no. and not also be fucking dead. Yeah. Like, if you're some sort of vengeance demon or whatever, it wouldn't blind you. I should so think... So if it can blind you, you're vulnerable. Guess what's right behind there? The brain. You're dead. And at that point, he's already been shot six times. Six times so I at shot At that point, him. eight times. Yeah. He's been shot. And dude, that several times. The whole follow up to that where he's just kind of got his hand over the over his eyes on the mask and he's just blindly yeah. swinging. When 2 seconds ago, I know he saw Lori and she was mm-hmm. crouched down in the corner and yet he's swinging at like yeah. eye level. It's just so stupid. It makes yeah. the character of Mike Myers which had the whole movie seemed to be so calculating and cold and methodical and all this stuff. And it just turns him into, oh, I cannot see. I swing knife now. Perhaps I kill sister. Perhaps. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And that scene really drags on, too. They open and up like eight whoosh, canisters whoosh. of like oxygen and ether. And he's like, he knows she's in that corner. He yeah. was going right he for her. He just saw her. She even stands up. He had to be trying to miss her. It's so not scary in the least. Like it, it has no tension to it. No, it's no like whatsoever. okay, just just duck, and uh-huh. he won't be hitting you. Also, what room is that where they have so many oxygen tanks Woo! and ether tanks? That's the getting fucked up room. <laughs> you know, 
That's where that doctor was before she yeah, got there. Yeah, exactly, man. They call that room the country club. Devil Eater. <laughs> Fucking lame. Yeah, I really hate that that's the way that Myers, you know, goes out. I I have to say that one of the things that really... And, and this has to be the fault of just so many attempts at making it a different movie after it had already been made but yeah. the editing is terrible in this i remember you saying that and i i wasn't really thinking about that as i was watching the yeah. movie i watched this for the first time i think it was maybe maybe a year or so ago at halloween kate and i were like let's watch all the halloween movies yeah so we kind of like went through them in sequence which at that point i think all that i had seen was the first one and the one with paul rudd okay because it was like on Netflix or something years ago. And so at the time, I was definitely not really watching for stuff about the editing. So yeah. what is it exactly that you have a problem with? Okay, so they obviously got a lot of POV shots from Michael Myers' point of view. Yeah. Um, and they have a real simple way of connecting Myers in locations at the hospital. And that is... A couple of shots, they show the security cameras. Okay, yeah. And we see him in the hall. Now, it does a great job of keeping us separated from Michael Myers, so he's still the shape. Right. The security cameras are, you know, not high definition or anything, and, and we're seeing through two screens. Um, but instead of just letting that orient us uh, to tell us where he is in the hospital... They keep showing us these POV of him walking around different places of the hospital. And so, uh, one particular scene, he's going down a set of stairs, dark, and it's like dark, and then smash cut to him now standing in the middle of a lit hallway. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's no door nearby indicating he had just come out of the stairs into the hallway. It's just like, oh no, he's in the hallway now. And like, you keep getting that. And this is an editing issue where... All they had to do to eliminate that confusion is not show that. Just cut that out. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah. We know he's at the hospital. We don't yeah. have to keep getting these things to try to orient us at the hospital because we're not oriented. We don't know the hospital. Right. If, if you're in a suburban uh, area, when he goes outside, it orients us immediately. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. There's that house. There's that house. We know these things. Yeah, exactly. In the hospital, it's like, what are all these rooms? It's just a bunch of damn beige hallways. Yeah, it all looks the same. It so all don't the same. keep trying to orient us with shots from his POV. Yeah. Just show us him and the security camera, and we'll be like, oh, he's in that hallway where all the nurses are at the end of the hallway or, Oh, that's the right. hallway where, where Lori is. Well, it kind of we goes back to what we talked about in the, in the diehard episode where that movie does such a good job yeah. of leaving you a trail of breadcrumbs to yeah. tell you where you are. It does. And actually in the first one does a real good job of orienting us because it has shown us the layout by having yep. them walk home from school together. And we see like, you know, PJ Souls is like, okay, I'm yeah. uh, going over here. And then Annie's like, all right, well, this is my house. And yep. then she's like, she goes to her house. and Show she, don't tell. She looks across the street and there's the boy she's going to babysit. Yep. And he's trick-or-treating. Like, we get the idea of where everything else is. Don't have to be told. 
We don't have to keep seeing Michael Myers walking from place to place to place. All we have to see is him show up at a particular place, and we're like, oh, that's her house. Yeah, exactly. He, right. she, he's two doors down from Lori right now or whatever. Like, right. But in this, it's the because of the editing, because of the attempts to keep orienting us, actually keeps disorienting us. Sure. And not in a not in a fun horror movie way where being disoriented helps you to feel the way the characters feel. Yeah. But in a I don't know what I'm doing type of way. But you know, at least we have that big brother sister reveal that makes the whole story so much better. It really does. It brings everything together because oh man, you know what I needed was to find out that the guy who's just randomly killing people isn't randomly killing people. He's looking to kill his sister. Exactly. Makes Which a means lot of sense. All of the other kills are pointless. Yep. Really eliminates any reasoning really for lame. any of it. It's really, really lame. I don't know how nobody caught this alongside of the way. Like, because if his whole motivation is, okay, I'm going to kill off my family, then why does he kill all these other people? No idea. It's extremely pointless. I mean, I guarantee you if they had let Carpenter cut Loomis and Laurie Strode from the the sequel, yeah. it would have been a better movie. Like if, sure. if it the movie had been him going uh, from trying to kill Laurie to some old people's house, stealing their um, their knife and then killing a teenage girl, we would remember, yeah, that's what he's interested in, killing teenage girls. That's what he does. Yeah. So, next story. Right. Who are the new people he's trying to kill? Yeah, which would be like kind of Friday the 13th-ish. You could even bring Loomis back. Loomis could then come in later when they find out, oh, two towns over, or just a neighborhood over, some people are yeah. getting killed. Like, there's so many easy solutions to make a sequel that wouldn't have undercut all of the mystery mysterious aura of yeah. the shape from the first one and would have still allowed for an okay movie but it, it it would have been better as just one movie but you know on the bright side when you listen to john carpenter's extremely fantastic minimalist score from <laughs> yeah. the first one you know you can really listen to that and say you know what would make this better more notes <laughs> And All that's right. what this movie gives us, and it's not better. All right, so this soundtrack's is, not better. Uh, Alan Howarth was brought in to work with the score that yeah. had already been he, made. He has frequently contributed with his whole career. Yes, yes. John Carpenter and Alan Howarth have done a ton together. Alan Howarth has won two Academy Awards for sound design. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Very well known for his ability to to just make. Uh, a movie sound great. He did yeah. Back to the Future 2 and 3. Oh, wow. He did Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's sick. I didn't know exactly. that. Exactly. Like, he, he did so many uh, sound design for so many great movies. But there's things in this soundtrack that I can understand why he why he did, even as in a uh, symbolic sense. Yeah. Where, like, whenever you hear the revision of the Halloween theme. Uh-huh. You know, where of course when you think of that, you think of the bam bum bum bam bum bum bam bum bam that thing. But there's also that other counter melody that comes behind it that's the bum bum that thing. There's a there's a harmony on that now. Uh-huh. In the original there there wasn't. Yeah. And I I kinda think that the harmony is there to imply the the brother sister relationship. Oh, okay. 
You know what I mean? Like it's That's not just a singular melody; it's a harmony in tandem. Uh huh. It's notes that are connected. Yeah. But it doesn't sound as good. No, it really does. <laughs> like, that's a problem. It, it doesn't sound better. No. It's symbolic and interesting in a way, but mm. well, score's I think, not as good. I think it's interesting that uh, Carpenter continued to work with him. Carpenter obviously must have said to him, like, listen, I, I don't know what I'm doing with this movie. <laughs> I'm not happy with it. I don't like it. Um, just do something interesting with the music yeah. and maybe that'll help. Maybe it'll help. And he did something interesting, changed it up a little bit, but not better. It's not better. Not no. better. Ultimately, what we have here is a movie that is, what is it? It's like 88 minutes. Something like, uh, like four minutes of credits, 88 minutes of, of movie. Sure. Wow. Yeah. But man, it's, does it ever feel long? It feels, it feels so, so because, long. Like, uh, Everything that happens with Loomis is happening while what seems to be maybe an hour of time has passed at the hospital. Yeah. Like six hours of time is passing with Loomis. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't make any sense. But then also with Lori, she's just catatonic. So every scene with her is just, oh, okay. So we're in her room watching her be catatonic like it drags by yeah it really really does and you know the original is i can't think that it's much longer or shorter this movie is a minute longer and this movie runs 92 minutes 88 minutes of film um it's literally just a minute longer one single minute longer that first one just seems to fly by because you're so engrossed every second of the way and this one uses two minutes from the first one right damn like how those are the quickest two minutes of the movie i completely agree yeah dude it's just it's just not good man No, i don't like it i understand that a lot of people that are listening like it and yeah hopefully some of this has uh helped you understand why we dislike it but you know what if you like something no reason to start disliking it now. Yeah, Enjoy yeah. your movie. Yeah, sure. I'm glad that somebody else can watch this and have a good time. Yeah. Because to me, it's like the original is one of my favorite movies of all time. I fucking love the original yeah. so much. And I honestly don't feel like this is one of those things where it's like, well, you love the original so much that there's nothing that could possibly follow it up. Like, you love the Blue Album so much. Pinkerton sucks. <laughs> Pinkerton's fucking awesome. Pinkerton is good. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. I don't feel like this is one of those cases. I feel yep. like this is just really a movie that that was forced into existence. Yeah, it was. It, absolutely. And it f- really feels that way. It mm-hmm. really feels very forced. And it's like that first one was supposed to be a entirely self-contained story. Yeah. And somebody made them make a sequel. And they're like, well, damn. And they're just picking scraps off the bone. Yeah. You know? There wasn't much left. I I would say, like... For me, as I have done in the past, I I defend the Rob Zombie remakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I just think of them as different movies. It's right. Just different. Uh, like this is the this is the uh, new Fifty Two version for right. DC I can readers out there. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you can if you can come to terms with that yeah. stuff, then you should definitely be able to do that. Rob Zombies movie. is the the ultimate universe, and, and this is just you know uh, Earth six twelve or whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but like the Rob Zombie movies, 
what I hear so much about it that people hate is who gave us all this backstory and stuff about uh, that's Michael my Myers that ruins him. it. That's my problem. Yeah, it's like I like not knowing why he. Did so what my he assumption did. is, if you hate the Rob Zombie remakes, you also hate Part Two. And I do. Yeah. <laughs> you like logical consistency would say you'd have to hate part two if you hate the remakes and if you like part two give the remakes another shot and Maybe remember that part two did exactly that thing right by undercutting exactly what you're saying giving too much backstory like um I, and i really do think that the rob zombie remakes are, are great in in some aspects mm-hmm. um the brutality that he brings definitely uh amped up michael myers because all the all the sequels i think each successive sequel takes away from his mystique and mm-hmm. takes away from how scary he actually is sure. that that as you said he he's wearing a a human face like his mask is a human face yeah that's frightening is yeah. that's the mask he has to put on that's yeah. the, the the concept that like my face on its own is so devoid of humanity and emotion yeah. that it would be better for me to put on the mask of a human yeah that's one of the coolest disguises masks whatever yeah that you could think of like jason having a, a bag over his head because yeah, he's right. deformed or a hockey mask because he killed a guy who had a hockey mask on uh-huh whatever that's fine i'll go with it but to me, the completely soulless, emotionless uh-huh. aspect of I'll wear a mask that's a human face. I'll put a mask over my face that's my face. That's so fucked up. I would even say that Michael Myers in the first movie is there's some artistry to him. Yeah. There like he, like he hangs a guy on a wall like a piece of art and admires yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's there's some artistic tendencies to that the decision to wear a human face mask over your your own face like nobody recognizes him nobody knows who he is i'll put my headstone of my sister that i killed i'll pose her with with her friend yeah yeah there's a really twisted artistry about it Mm -hmm. for sure and none of that is in this movie absolutely zero of that just don't really like it man where are you putting this thing on your on your scale one to ten god that okay this one's tough because I, I hate this movie. Like yeah. I've I've maintained. I think I've kept an even keel throughout. I've not final destinationed it, mm-hmm. where I really would just say I fucking hate this movie and I think it sucks terribly and yeah. every part about it really should have been changed. But the thing is that I know that in Final Destination that was the vision. Like that was what somebody really wanted to happen. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna shit on it. Yeah. But in this case, it's like somebody had I, a bad idea. In this case, who am I shitting on? Right. Nobody wanted to do it. Everybody involved in it didn't want it to happen, except for you know the actors who were getting paid to be there and the crew guys who were excited to get a paycheck. Sure. Uh, it's shit. It's real terrible. Yeah. Real bad. Um. It's got to be one of the worst things John Carpenter's ever been involved in. I would think so. I mean, other than maybe Ghosts of Mars or mm-hmm. uh, The Ward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I can't I can't give it anything high. I I I like I like Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis, but they didn't have anything to do. Mm-mm. Um, 
it, to me, it, uh, at best, a two? Yeah. yeah. Wow. At best. Two. I don't know if I can go that low. I'm thinking about other stuff that I've rated it to. What have I rated it to? I think I gave Killer Clowns a three. Which I know is blasphemy among I a lot know, of our yeah. fans. God. You know, it's like we gave Jeepers Creepers like a zero. Zero. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's made by a fucking pedophile. Yeah. No pedophiles involved in this as far as, as I far know. As far as I know. <laughs> it's just not an enjoyable movie to me. No. I, I don't grow to know the characters from the first movie that I love so much better. The the scenarios and settings, again, it's it's beige hospital hallways. It's fucking so boring looking. <laughs> it is. And, and it's so odd, too, though, because like so many of my favorite horror flicks are ones that kind of bottle up the characters in one environment, like The Thing right. or The House of the Devil or uh, Rosemary's Baby or whatever, Alien even. But for some reason putting these people in this hospital does not work. It's like it's not an interesting enough scenario. Uh, I'd never feel like they're trapped or that they can't escape, but the whole movie is just set in this one spot for no real reason. Let me ask you something. Do you think it would be a little bit better if it was exclusively set in the hospital, if we weren't constantly being cut out to other areas? Right. With the Loomis storyline? Like, if it was basically, Mm. instead of just them taking Lori there, if Michael Myers was also found and they took him there thinking he was dead and then he comes from the morgue and starts his slaughter before anybody um, knows. It's like Jason 4. Yeah, Yeah, Friday the 13th Part 4. Yeah. But, like, if that had happened where, like... Because, like, again, if people just didn't know it was happening... Right. Because they kind of try to do that with people just disappearing and nobody really thinking about it. Yeah. But that's not how that would work. Like, people would no. be like, where did that person... We're working I don't here. even think that would make it better. Like, I, I think that your original idea you said a second ago of just go ahead and set this three years after. Yeah. Lori, Lori's recovering. She met this ambulance driver as uh-huh. a result of the attacks and stuff, and she's been living with... You know, looking over his shoulder for a couple of years. That's definitely a better movie. It is. You know, there's just nothing about this that screams Halloween to me. No. It, it, it's a chore to watch this movie. It is. It feels so long. It feels exactly so long, it. man. I'm not really sure why people like it. I really am not sure. I mean, I again, the fact that it picks up right where one left off is cool. That is a cool idea. It could work for a different type of character. Yeah, it could be that could be great, but the whole thing is he comes back on the anniversary of when he killed his sister, uh-huh. and this is not the anniversary of when he killed his sister. This is the day after he killed his sister. Yeah. So the symbolic um, date of the attack in the first one is even pointless in this. Yeah, it is. I just feel like it negates so much of the stuff that made the first one cool. It does. You know, Lori is weak. Lori is not defending herself. She's that, barely even speaking most of the movie. That's the real sacrilege right there. The people listening to us right now who are like, I can't believe they don't like Halloween 2. The real sacrilege is what they did to Lori Strode. Yeah, because if you don't think that Lori is the most awesome character in the first one, then you're fucking wrong. Yeah, you're way off. Yeah. And then in this, they don't even feature her at all. I I have no reason to watch this movie, you know, for, for entertainment value <laughs> no. anytime soon. 
I'll give it credit for having a couple of cool kills. For having uh, Mike Myers in it. <laughs> I do like him. Yeah. But I don't I think I can go higher than like a three. Like it's competently made. It is, of course. It yeah. is technically a movie. But it's it's just a mo- not very it's good. motion picture accompanied with sound. Yeah. Yep. That's about it. <laughs> I think I'm going to go three. Okay. Yeah. Good. I just don't like it. Man. Yeah. I just don't like it. I, I kind of feel like I've given it more praise than it deserves. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really just. Try to tell me this is an exciting movie. Like, I know, again, a lot of our viewers I know like this movie. Mm-hmm. But just fucking try Watch to tell me it's Watch that security guard scene again. And it's clock it. It's not exciting. It's like seven minutes long of him searching. and just there's no around. There's no real tension that we need. We know Michael Myers kills people. Yeah. You don't need to build that tension anymore. Or throw a cat at the man. Or throw a cat at someone. Fucking cat scare. Who's throwing cats? Ugh. Always just these cats. Well, Ben, I can think of one thing that will definitely improve your coming week. (sighs) And that is the movie we're doing next week. I don't know if it's going to help. I don't well, know. We know you like it. I do. Yeah. We're watching it, Hereditary. It makes me so scared. Uh-huh. It makes me so scared. It does. I'm telling you, we did our mini review of this uh of this movie. Yeah, the, when this it came summer out. when it came out. And um I legitimately think that I think Hereditary like probably fucked me up more than than any movie ever has. I'm excited to talk about this because I really want to get into that actual fear feeling because I do yeah. like watching horror movies uh, that are just entertaining. Sure. But what I'm always searching for in every single horror movie is to actually be scared. Yeah. Not to be like, you know, startled by something, but to be disturbed, to really yes. look at it and be like, I feel unsettled. When I'm in the dark now. Exactly. This movie for days, for days after I watched it, Uh I did not want to be like alone by myself at nighttime. It really fucked me up. I think this movie kind of has the sum of all of like my greatest fears in it. Really, (laughs) really. I'm so glad we get to talk about it. And I know a lot of people don't get it. A lot of people, like even in the theater whenever I watched it, there's a lot of people that were laughing I've talked to a ton yeah. of other friends and stuff that just did not get this movie. I completely understand it, but it has all of my fear buttons mm-hmm. in it, and it is just fucking, I mean, just whacking them like it's a damn, like, whack-a-mole game at a, yeah. at a Chuck E. Cheese or something. Yeah. Man, when people start... I'm dreading watching it. I'll be honest with you. When people start talking like, man, horror movies used to be so much better. Have you seen The Witch? Black Coat's Daughter? Have you seen Hereditary? Have you seen the stuff that's coming out? Have you seen It Follows? Right. Have you seen any of these great fucking horror movies that have been coming out lately that are genuinely disturbing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're we're in a golden age of horror, I think. I'm looking forward to to talking about this movie. Like I'm again, I'm kind of dreading watching it because it really did disturb me so much whenever (laughs) I saw it the first time. I hope I, just try. Here's what you do: you you watch Never Ending Story before. Oh God, no, <laughs> no, uh, uh-uh. no. Okay, maybe. All right, you watch Emperor's New Group. Okay, then. there now you we're go. Talking. That'll help you out. Now we're talking. Yeah. So next week we'll be covering Hereditary. 
in full. Again, we did a kind of spoiler-free light episode a couple months ago whenever it came out. Yeah. We'll be giving it a good old deep dive next week, so you guys be sure to stay tuned for that one. In the meantime, where can they follow us? On social media. At Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Gmail. We have mm. a Facebook group, Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast. Sure do, it's the best. And guess what? You can email us, deadandlovely at gmail.com. Oh, yes, indeed. Please uh, drop us your recommendations for movies we should cover, mm-hmm. uh, as well as your feedback on maybe what beers we should check out. Or just send oh, us beers. Man. Yeah, both of those. Feedback yeah. on beers. Feedback on beers. Give us feedback on our beer reviews. Yeah. Tell us we're it? wrong. How about it? Um, Yeah. I would love that. Me too. Be <laughs> sure to review this podcast on iTunes. Rate and review. It only takes you a second to do, and it means a ton to us. We've had a couple of reviews pop up here recently. We appreciate it more than you know because yeah. it helps us show up on them search engines and them charts and all kinds of other good stuff. If you care... You will take just a minute of your life and review our show on iTunes. Thank you very much. In the meantime, you guys have been goddamn fucking fantastic. And we've been even fantasticer. Also, dead and lovely. That's us. Also, also, Ben and Steve. Hey. I mean, bye. (laughs) See you guys next week. Peace. (laughs)